welcome, bienvenue to your local podcast. Thank you, thank you for having me. And as I was mentioning before, the entire motivation for this is to give people the opportunity to to hear the stories of the people who are active members of their community. And as a member of Township Council, I think that pretty much... Makes me active. <laughs> yeah, makes you active, among other things, which I'm very curious to learn about. Great. Excellent. Yeah, so definitely active. I've always been a very active member of our community. So this is, um, I'm still in my first um, term as councillor, so elected in 2018. Previous to that, I was very involved. Um, it started off way back when the kids were much younger, so I've got two two grown children now. But when they were much younger, we were very involved in the sporting community. And so anything around hockey, of course. And uh, and then um, my wife at the time was trying to get involved in, in an organ, was involved in an organization that was trying to bring in a, a community a sports complex, if you want. And so I got involved with the Parks and Rec com Committee, which is a council-run committee uh, which has local residents on. And it, it's kind of a, a committee which is a sounding board for to give advice to council, to give recommendations to council in that particular area. So we work with the Parks and Rec Committee, uh, or sorry, the Parks and Rec Department. As a resident, I was involved in that. And I really enjoyed the opportunity to... Uh, to be more informed on what was going on, to better understand what, you know, some of the context or limitations we had. This is, you know, I'm going back 20 plus years here when the township was was much smaller and we were wondering why we didn't have a pool like like Orleans has and so on. So so this is where it got started and it, it kind of grew from there. So I've, I've sat on the library board for uh, two, three terms. I was the president of the library board. This is all before council. And uh, one of the big motivations at the time for council or running for council was really more to get our Embrim library talked about. Um, one of the one of the I think big weaknesses we have in our community right now is is uh, our library service as good as it is and as amazing as the people are that work in the library service. Our facility here in Embrim is really um, really. I mean, it's it's great. It's got, like I said, some good staffing and everything else. But the location in the uh, elementary school is just not ideal. It uh, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable going there, and it should be a good, nice, comfortable environment to to um, to go and read and, and meet other people, socialize. Libraries are so much more than just a place where you get books, right? So, so you know, in, in trying to push that agenda item because it wasn't a priority uh, or it didn't appear to be a priority for council at the time, I, I figured I'll just throw my name in and talk about it at least, and at least I'll get people to listen. And I had no expectation to ever get elected. Um, and lo and behold, I did, and it's been an amazing ride um, since 2018. So, I'm very curious to know about that transition. What was that like? Sure, that's a, that's a great question. Transition-wise, from uh, from you know working on in community, so the library board itself is a separate entity, and it kind of manages the libraries as opposed to like the Park and Recs committee I was mentioning before, which was really more um, a committee of council. The library board is a is a separate entity. We manage the library service, we manage the budget, and so on. We have our own CAO and and the library and so on. So it was a transition. Um, um, 
it was a crazy transition in terms of scope and, and um, you know, where, where our impact goes from, you know, from the library perspective to now all of a sudden, you know, 50 plus million dollar budgets um, and dealing with those. But, but it's, an, it's an amazing organization. We're very fortunate to live in Russell Township. We've got, uh, it's under great leadership, I have to say, under our mayor currently. And uh, the staff um, in the township is really second to none. We've got um, amazing, dedicated people that, uh, that work uh, day in and night uh, to make sure that they're meeting and exceeding expectations around services for our residents. And I know we don't always see that. Uh, we don't, you know, and it's not always everything we want, but we're moving in the right direction. And, and it's amazing what they can put out with, with the constraints that are out there. And that's a lot of people don't see that when you, you know, you see a Facebook post about a pothole or, or why is this light not working or why didn't they pick up garbage or something. There are challenges for sure. But we're talking about a major corporation, and it's it's amazing to see how well it's run. And so that, that that's probably been one of the biggest discoveries for me in going through this process. And I, I have to say, I'm very very proud of of being involved in the organization in that sense because I, I feel that that you know as residents we we are very fortunate to have to not have to worry about any of that because a lot of this stuff just gets done and as a resident here you don't think about it you don't you know don't give a second second thought and your your driveway is going to be not your driveway but your roadway is going to get cleared um you know there's all the services and so on so so it's very it's it's very rewarding to see all that happen and all the amount of work and passion that's that's behind that's getting done so that's I think that's been the biggest eye opener coming out of this, and and it was interesting because in 2018 when when um, I was going for the the position of counselor in the election process with very with no experience around you know election or politics for that matter you 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 know, naturally go by, you know, on things that you've may have seen in the newspapers or on TV or something like that around elections. And so you try to position yourself based on that. And, and it's very different, you know, once you see what the real world is, is all about. So it's been a real growing, um, growing opportunity and it's it's been amazing and I, and I i have to say i have to give credit where credit is due we've got an amazing council uh, so all our council uh, is very well spread out with you know with where with people that have concerns for the township in general not a specific area you know I'm, i live in embram but i care just as much about the residents and the community in russell as i do for embram or a little spot in marionville and so on so um and i think the entire council's like that right now so i gotta say it's we're we're very you know we've got a great team there so we're very happy so and you said that you you put your name in you didn't expect yeah no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no so again the idea really was at the end of the day was I, I just want, you know, I figured in my head, if I go and I start making a big fuss about the library as something that's important for our residents and so on, that any other candidate that is running for council would pick up on it and they would start talking about it. And my, my sole intention at the time was to just to get the subject matter addressed and to have people kind of uh, start considering that it was a challenge that we needed to fix something here and uh, it did work we got talking about it but 
the the flip side is I I got enough votes to get elected and and which is good because we've you know it has been a priority for township um, and not just because of me the other councillors that are there know that what we have now is not enough and we need to uh, address the issue and again the the biggest part is really having a service for our residents in Himbram. Um, that that's outside of a public school so so adults can feel comfortable going into an elementary school without you know people looking at them why you're here and so on so and, and that's been a bit of a challenge and those are the kind of that's the kind of feedback we were getting at the library board that you know the facility is relatively small I mean we're we're blessed with a beautiful library in Russell we're very lucky to have that and and the idea is to 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 be able to offer that kind of service to our residents here on this side of the township so that's our plan anyways and and it's moving forward with the complex um, moving forward which is another i think amazing thing that's that's happening with our township right now um you know we're kind of on the cusp of some amazing development we're growing um exponentially right now in the township and i know for some residents that's a bit of a challenge but with growth come better services more services and so for the residents it's a fine balance and we're trying to maintain that that fine balance but there's there's amazing opportunities there are amazing new services coming our way with uh, with the sports complex we got a bit of a taste of it with the dome that's there now unfortunately the pandemic's kind of kiboshed that for right now but um but the complex, um, the plans for the complex, and, and I think you did have the mayor on here. I'm not sure if you talked about that. I'm sure he did because he, he's very passionate about that as well. And so so we're moving in a really good direction in that. So that's exciting, you know, for our community. And, and you know, I'm I'm of the age. I'm not in retirement age yet, but I'm, you know, it's it's around a few more corners. But at some point, retiring, retiring in a community that has those kind of services, it's amazing. And I'm really excited about being able to have that so yeah uh, i resonate with that in that i i've been to bigger cities i've seen the services that they have and have been riddled with envy and now that i've come back i i want that i want that for other people i want that for myself obviously not to the scope and to the capacity but there are certain features and there are certain things and qualities of life like sports complexes like libraries like i have many experiences in libraries that were very helpful and beneficial and and memorable and i totally know that feeling of it being kind of weird going into a school it's not the same context as the library as this community center for everyone like it's whereas the school the whole context and vibe is obviously for children you know, like yeah, it's it's, a, exactly and we're not talking about a college environment we're talking about an elementary school and so it, it definitely has a different vibe set to it. And I, I think you, you hit the, the nail on the head when you talked about community center. And one of the things that many people that, that, um, that may not frequent libraries regularly that they don't see, and I, and I know I was kind of guilty of that many years back when I started down this path, is, you know, as a, as a kid, we'd go to the library to get a book and check out a book and you'd leave. If you, sometimes you'd go and do a bit of schoolwork there, but that was that place. Libraries have evolved so much now. Obviously, there's so much content online that it, you don't just go for content. You really go for the social side of it. So uh, our Russell branch is no exception or our, our Russell library system is no exceptions. We have programming, you know, for children, for adults. Uh, we host clubs there. Um, there is, you know, they, they have 3D printer, they have this this club for 3D printing, all of these things that 
that you may not have an experience, an opportunity to experience. And, and it's a way to do it in a community, communal community type of, of environment. And so that, that to me is such an important element of any community, right? I, I think the library, you know, the, the traditional library is gone. This is more of a social event, social gathering. And that's why, you know, when we look for, for the space or when we're planning for the space around the library, we want that communal space. So it's not just about our library book collection. It's really about how much space and, and little space that we can, you know, hive off for a group to have a meeting and chat freely, comfortably without, you know, bothering people that are trying to read and stuff like that. So it's really more about that. And we have... You know, we're exploring ideas where we, we have uh, authors obviously coming in doing presentations, but we've done, you know, wine, t wine tastings in our library where, where we have, you know, sommeliers coming in and, and it's just educational. So it just adds that educational piece. It doesn't have to always be out of a big book or anything like that. So it's a pretty cool environment. And I think... I think we need to expand that, and, and that's been a challenge here in, in Embram. Um, and so I'm excited to see we're moving forward on it. It's it's not all clear yet on how it's going to happen, um, but we it's definitely in, in our plan. So it's either in, in the complex, it may be in one of the, um, um, you know, depending on how things line up and cost and so on. So it, there'll definitely be a place here in Embram for a library, so... Where it's exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. So. Uh, and I want to understand a bit more your motivation of wanting to be involved, wanting to be part of the library council, wanting to be part of town council, wanting to, to sure. be more knowledgeable and involved within your community. Like what's the origin of that? Yeah, I, I think I, I, I was very fortunate in, uh, in my, in my youth, um, I had a very strong mom who uh, always said, look, instead of complaining, get involved and, and uh, you know, work on the things that you can change. And if you can't change them, then don't complain about them. Or if you're not willing to put in the work, then don't complain about them. So I, so I have a full-time uh, job at Algonquin College. I was a, a teacher there for the last uh, 20, 22 years, and I'm an academic chair there now. So I have a very fulsome position there. I work lots of hours there. I really enjoy that position. Love working with uh, youth and so on. Um, but um, but here, this is the community. This is where I live. This is where I'm going to retire. So it's always been a, a important for me to to be involved, to get to know people. And when you have kids here, and and you know the kids are involved, and I think that's the magic of community. And, and I'm, I grew up in Montreal, so I didn't experience this in Montreal because in Montreal you have your few friends from school and your parents have their friends and you might have one or two friends on your street and that's where it stops. And uh, in a community like this, uh, which I had never even expected or, or, or considered when, I, when we moved here, in a community like this, your kids get involved in sport. Uh, when they're young and by default you get to know the parents of that you know within that context and they become life lifelong friends not all of them obviously but every year you change teams some new people some new friends and our circle of friends to this day and my children now are I, I don't want to get this wrong but they're 25 and and 23 and we're still very close with all the friends from from that and so 
in a community environment, it, this is that's one of the nicest find out of the the whole experience. And so that's on the sports side, but even on the education side, going to see the teachers at the local school where where you know the parent night. Uh, well, it turns out you get to know that teacher because you're playing hockey with them, you know, or. You get to know them because they also have kids that age and um, and they become friends as well. So I think, uh, I feel so lucky that we happened to find this community uh, when we did because it was never in the plans. It was never even considered. Um, I think one of the, I think one of the, I mean, so many positive surprises here. And you asked me a simple question about how I got involved, but I just digressed and I hope that's okay. That's exactly what I'm looking okay. for. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. So, so we, my experience with Russell started with a couple of my buddies before I got married. So I'm from Montreal. My wife's from Sudbury. We met out West in Lake Louise. Uh, we were, um, we were settling more or less in Barrie, Ontario, because we went to school there. And, um, and I got an opportunity to work in Ottawa. So we moved to Ottawa. And then when we were starting to think about family, we were like, no, we need to get a house. We, you know, what kind of house can we afford? We can't afford a house in the city. And, you know, and this is many years ago, so I don't even want to look at it now, but couldn't afford a house in the city. And so we started looking a little bit further out, but I had friends that had lived, a couple of guys that had lived um, in the old doctor's house in Russell. It was a, a rental. And, and so I would come and visit them on the weekend and, and go, man, this is such a nice place. It's like country you're in the country you don't have to have a country place back then it was much smaller community and so on and so we started looking for homes again we weren't looking here at all I didn't even know that Embram existed so I'm going back to uh, 92 1992 I didn't know Embram existed and and I'm embarrassed to even say this. I didn't know that there were French communities in Ontario. I knew of a couple around Barrie. Uh, there's a place called La Fontaine, which is uh, which is a French community, and I thought it was a real strange anomaly um, because I'm from Montreal and I never thought about Franco-Ontarians and so on because I'm from Montreal, and um, and so. Um, we happened to look for places and we found this place in Ambrun. Where's Ambrun? Oh, it's, it's right, right next to Russell. Let's go take a look. So so we went, fell in love with this house. We we're very fortunate. Uh, and we bought kind of our dream home as our starter home because it happened to be in Embrim and at the time it was good value. And, and uh, so we ended up staying here. We got here in 95. And I remember still to this day, the first day, the first time I went to the post office, again, it was a new experience for us because I grew up in the city of Montreal where they just deliver the mail. And uh, and everyone at the post office was speaking French. Moi, je parle français, je l'école en français toute ma vie. And everyone was speaking French, and I'm like looking at them going, Wow, it's pretty cool that you guys are speaking French. The lady looked, the, the, the two ladies working there looked at me. She goes, oh, everyone's French here. I'm like, really? I didn't even consider that. I had no idea. Our, both our children went to French school and uh, they, they're fluent. My, my wife is from Sudbury. She, she manages her French, but we wanted our children to be, you know, fluent in French. And so they went to French uh, French school here, and it was such a fantastic experience. And again, it was one of those beautiful discoveries. Never expected it. Uh, moving here, not very well planned. Like you know, we just happened to find a house. Where's Embram? 
oh, okay, it's not too bad. Oh, there's there's a shopping. Yeah, we can live here. I mean, we when we got here, the public pool was um, Norm's parents had a pool in their house, and he rented it, and he did ran lessons out of out of that. So there's all these local uh, residents with their young kids in this pool, indoor pool, at, in a nice nice home, and uh, and so it's it's been an amazing experience, and uh, our town is definitely growing a lot now. Um, or our township is growing a lot and and it's nice to see that we're able to start offering some of those services that we didn't have and still trying to keep that small town feel so that's that's the challenge um it's an exciting challenge but but uh, the people that are here are amazing and i think we can do that uh, and maintain that so hey casquette trouve tu es capable de garder de de partie de toi qui est français ici Absolument. Écoute, euh, je dois dire, je dois avouer que, euh, bon, je suis allé à l'école à Montréal, euh, je suis élémentaire, secondaire et cégep en français. Euh, français était ma, ma je, je, je veux dire, ma langue première. Euh, je viens, moi, je suis polonais, mais mes deux parents sont polonais. Alors, on parlait en polonais à la maison et puis un petit peu d'anglais, pas beaucoup d'anglais. Et puis... Euh, le fait ici, en arrivant ici, le fait, le, la, la découverte de voir que c'était français, c'était vraiment un, un super beau plaisir parce que ma femme n'est pas française, alors je ne le pratique pas, on ne parle pas en français à la maison. Mais aussitôt que, que j'ai vu qu'on était dans une communauté française, pour moi, c'était une belle surprise. Puis c'est là que j'ai dit, bien, au moins, mes enfants vont avoir la chance d'aller à l'école en français. Parce que quand on est déménagé ici, euh, ma femme était enceinte de, de, mon, de mon fils, d'Alexandre. De, de, Et puis, euh, c'était excitant de savoir qu'on on avait, on avait un environnement qui était vraiment français et euh, où ce qu'il y aurait la chance d'apprendre le français comme il faut. Puis son, euh, J'étais nerveux, je dois dire, parce que je n'avais pas d'expérience là-dedans. Comment un enfant peut grandir en français euh, confortablement dans une famille mixte où c'est plutôt anglais à la maison? Et puis, euh, on a été très chanceux. Euh, la, petite, la gardienne euh, qui les gardait la, dans, dans sa maison, elle a dit « Ah, oh, fais-toi-en pas, ils vont s'adapter. » Puis elle était complètement en français. Puis on, on, était, on, on a trouvé une gardienne qui était complètement en français pour s'assurer qu'il qu y ait une bonne base avant de commencer l'école. Et puis, je me rappelle, on était bien nerveux pour les enfants. Puis elle a dit « Ah, oh, fais-toi-en pas, c'est des éponges, ils vont apprendre ça comme il faut. Puis, » Puis je te dis, ça n'a pas pris... Euh, en dedans d'un de, mois, dans, juste à la garderie, ça, ils parlaient normalement en français. Et puis, ils sont, ils ont, eux autres ont fait leur école en français euh, euh, élémentaire secondaire. Mon fils a fait euh, l'université en, en français aussi. Ma fille, elle a eu une, une bourse d'études pour aller en, à Boston. Elle a joué au hockey à Boston. So, so she did it all in, in, in English. Mais et de retour ici, alors, elle a... Elle a je ne veux pas dire qu'elle a perdu son français, mais pour, pour quelqu'un qui parle beaucoup de uh, multiple languages, it's interesting because you either, th you, th you always think in one certain language and you, you can talk in different languages, but your thought process is a specific language. And so I always find whenever I'm immersed, and, and my daughter was saying that to me, and that's why it's coming to mind, is she's now like starting to think French again. Uh, parce que... Elle parle français, pas de problème, tout ça, mais elle n'était pas aussi confortable dans les discussions en français parce que ça ne sortait pas aussi naturellement. 
Et puis souvent, on parlait, on pensait en anglais, pensait en anglais puis là, parce qu'elle travaille pour une belle organisation ici, qui est basée justement ici, Valoris. Et puis c'est surtout en français. Puis là, justement, elle avait une réunion, un training cette semaine, puis elle dit Ah, oh, je me sens, je commence à me sentir à l'aise, confortable, à répondre. Parce qu'au début, là, c'était, elle comprenait tout, puis elle, elle pouvait parler confortablement. Puis, mais ça revient. C'est moi-même, comme pour moi, le polonais, c'est, c'est, c'est comme ça pour moi. Si je vais à la maison à Montréal, je parle à ma mère en polonais, ça, c'est comme repartir un vieux, un vieux char. Mais une fois qu'il est parti, ça va bien. Je sais exactement de quoi tu dis. Oui, exactement. Ouais. Ouais, c'est mon, ça. mon français, ça, ça vient de ma mère, mon anglais, de mon père. Ah, OK. Ouais. Ah, et, OK. Et quand je, quand je vivais dans Ottawa, il n'y avait pas beaucoup de personnes qui parlaient en français et pas confortable. Comme moi, j'étais la personne qui était la plus confortable. Et je ne suis pas vraiment confortable. Alors. Mais ici, c'est totalement différent. Comme c'est j'ai, ça. j'ai l'opportunité de pratiquer et de, d'être, d'être pas confortable, mais dans un environnement qui comprend. Et c'est correct. Qui supporte, oui, absolument. Moi, ça, c'est, je suis super fier de, de l'environnement ici. Mais... Quand on a déménagé en premier, puis j'ai, j'ai trouvé que c'était français ici. J'étais, moi, j'étais super excité. Ma femme, elle, elle était comme, oh, I didn't know that. Et puis, elle était un petit peu nerveuse, mais de, on n'est jamais, à travers tout, toutes nos années ici maintenant, au-dessus de 25 ans, qu'on est arrivé à une situation où, ce que, disons, c'est un couple français, puis nous, on parle en anglais, qui vont nous, qui, qui vont pas nous répondre ou qui vont pas essayer de travailler. Moi, moi j'ai toujours, en tant que quelqu'un de Montréal qui a grandi en français puis en anglais, nous autres, c'était toujours, regardless of if you're English ou si t'es français, if you're trying to communicate, we'll communicate back, puis pas de problème. Je pense que j'ai eu une fois une réaction, hey, Ontario, go back home, de quelqu'un à Québec. Puis ça, c'était sur le bord à Hall. Jamais à Montréal, jamais dans, comme à travers le Québec, j'ai jamais, jamais eu ça. Puis on a voyagé beaucoup dans le Québec avec nos licences de l'Ontario, puis ça. Puis le monde sont super corrects. Puis je pense que c'est ici, on, on, est, on est choyé avec ça, on est chanceux parce que le monde, sont su, vraiment, ils supportent. Ils veulent protéger la culture, ça, puis ça, c'est comprenable à 100 Et puis moi, je trouve que la meilleure façon de protéger cette culture-là, c'est, c'est de, de, de la démontrer euh, aux, aux nouveaux, nouveaux arrivants, aux, à, you know, to all the new residents that are coming in, et and demonstrate and be proud, comme, comme il y a un super beau moni- monument à la francophonie qui a été dévoilé récemment, ben, je pense, de deux ans. Là. Et puis... Euh, c'est, c'est, des, c'est de la fierté, puis c'est important d'être fier, puis « but to bring people to experience it, I think that's really important. So. » And what events, local community events, pre- and post-COVID, have you been finding, give you that opportunity to have that celebration? So, so pre-COVID be a lot easier to answer than post-COVID. So since COVID, really, we've, we've uh, you know, even our council meetings, uh, everything is kind of, you know, over Zoom screens. Um, I think the highlight this year was our budget sessions where we were face-to-face for the first time in a year at, at uh, township offices. Um, and we do that because we have all these rules where it has to be public and so on. So in budget, it's just so much easier to be able to actually see someone present, you know, what the budget for this particular department is and everything. And so we had spacing and everything. But so as a general rule in our uh, in our community, um, we're very lucky because... Uh, 
you know, we get invited to a lot of these community events. And um, for me, the highlight ones are Le Carnaval here in, uh, in Embrun. On fête la Saint-Jean-Baptiste ici à Embrun. C'est quelque chose qu'on fête à Québec. And those are awesome because we here at the Yahoo Park, we always have uh, a nice bonfire. We have some local musicians and and it's an awesome environment uh, for the local community to get together. So you see people that you haven't seen all year. And, and I love that. That's that to me is is awesome. It's and it's nice, too, because I can walk home. So even after a couple of beers, it's not a problem whatsoever. So we do that. And then on the Russell side, there there is uh, some great events as well. Obviously, the the uh, the fair every year, um, which is a big draw for uh, locals, but also a lot of people coming in from outside of our township. Um, and so we do that, and uh, and we were lucky this year. We had uh, we had um, uh, what we call uh, I'm just blanking on the name. The weekly uh, it's not bazaar. It's a market. Yeah, the market, which I think is a great opportunity to see your neighbors and so on. So, um, and they've got all kinds of really interesting activities. They've got a very active uh, community as well, a, a real active historical um, uh, society, like protecting historical values and so on as well. And so we have a nice museum there. So, uh, you know, that's another nice kind of nice thing to do for community members to get involved in and so on. So a lot of things, definitely a lot of things, yeah. And how has been navigating the different languages and dealing with people and ideas and and having conversations and finding solutions? Sure. So I, I think language is, is probably the... Nowadays, we're so lucky with, you know, with technology. I can, you know, I remember the first, um, I think, as we were going through the election process, just the thought of having to have everything in both languages would would be a challenge even from you know my slogan to you know vote mike t as well vote is good because say vote ça marche it's mm -hmm. per perfect you know those are simple ones but you know you get a, a letter from a resident and you want to answer back and and for me now it's you know because i work in an english environment it's easier for me to write in english but thank god for technology because um it would be a real challenge. So I, 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 you know, I have used Google Translate often just to make sure that I've got the right accents and I can do all of it. I can do it, but it just takes me so much more time to free flow a conversation. So my phone is actually set up so that I can speak in French and it'll type in French, whereas my computer is set for English. So we adapt, you know, we use the tools that are out there for sure. So, um, and I know, you know, I, I've, I was fortunate. I was running a hotel in Montreal back in the start of my career and, and I was coming from Ontario and, and in, in, in Quebec, it's very strict on the, on the French and, and everything has to be en français en premier. Et puis pas de problème, c'est comprenable. Mais, but again, my brain was English at the time, was, was thinking in English. So it, it just made so much more work you know, to write a simple, you know, two paragraph memo and so on. And that's another thing I have to say about our township is amazing. Our, our staff team there, everything they do, they do in both languages. So I get an email, you know, a three line email. Well, actually, didn't you do the same thing when you invited me? I think yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. By the way. So I think that's impressive, you know, to, to take the time to make sure that you're being inclusive, that, that people are comfortable to read it in their own kind of language. So it's amazing to do that. It's a lot of work. And, and I'm, I can't, I can't, I do my posts, my Facebook posts. I always put them in both languages, but it's a lot of work. 
Definitely a lot of work. So I would say those are some of the, those are challenges, but again, it's what makes our community, it's what makes our community unique. And so, you know, those challenges are really not challenges at the end of the day. They're, they're what, you know, ensures that we have this really cool environment that we get to live in and, and call home, you know, so I think it's good. It's worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm curious to also know more about your your definition of your career of your work what you what you've been doing throughout the years sure so um so my background is uh, is an interesting one it's like a, might be a long story just cut me off if well I it's, it's a long form com- i'm here to talk for as long as you want to talk okay all right this is uh, this is therapeutic too. yeah <laughs> so uh so i i um i come from montreal as i had mentioned to you earlier before I was never a very strong student, um, and um, I was always more a people person, uh, experienced person, and so on. And so, you know, the traditional school system for me was not 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 where I, I shined or shone, shined 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 anyways um, back in the um, in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, my social skills were pretty strong, but not my sitting down in class skills. And so um, in Montreal, I always say they have this amazing filter. Like here in Ontario, you finish high school, you go to university. Well, in, in Montreal or in Quebec, we have CJEP and, you know, education is a lot cheaper. But I, I always had in my head that it's cheaper because they have this great filter system to get rid of dead weight like me. You know, I go into CJEP, I find out that, eh, I'd rather sit around, play poker, and hang out with my buddies in the cafeteria. And after a year, they're like, hey, get out of here. You haven't passed one course. So I got kicked out of CJEP and was going nowhere fast. And I had some family out west uh, that uh, happened to be visiting. And they said, oh, you should go out in the Rockies, go work out, out west. And there's always jobs there. And, you know, take some time and find yourself. And, um, yeah, sure. It sounds good. So I gave them my resume. They, they went back to Calgary and I didn't think I'd hear anything more about it. And I was working at the time at factory carpets, cutting carpets for a living because I got kicked out of school and, and I was quite content doing that. So I got a call from Lake Louise and they said, we got this job for you. Uh, it would start in a week. If you're interested, we cover your accommodation and we'll cover your food. You know, it's minimum wage, but it's an amazing experience and so on. I didn't even really listen to what the job was because it was a, it was a ticket out, you know, from living at home and, and I was going to experience something and I didn't really have to worry about rent or food. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'll be there. So I took a train and a three-day train to um, to Alberta. And I, as I mentioned, I had family in Calgary, so my mom wasn't too, too worried. And uh, I ended up in Lake Louise, and, um, and it was probably the best experience in my life. So I met my amazing wife, which I'm still happily married to um, back then. So this was 1986. And... Uh, we both fell in love with that hospitality industry, like, you know, like serving people, the attitude of servitude, like this is something I've always enjoyed and naturally felt comfortable in helping people. I just, I like that. I, I get, I, you know, get so much satisfaction in, in connecting with someone, supporting them and so on. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, um, 
so I, I, I was thriving in that, that environment. So I went from an environment in school where I was doing crap and not happy to an environment where I was loving it. And, um, and, you know, Lake Louise is such a beautiful place. And again, meeting the love of my life there. And, uh, and so after about a year of just hanging out there and working and skiing and, and enjoying life, we're like, yeah, you know, this is great. But at some point, maybe we should try to figure out what we want to do with our lives. And, you know, we can just keep working here. There's a few people that do that. And it's an amazing experience. But, you know, you live in a residence and so on. It's not really conducive to having a family and so on. So, so um, we saw some amazing uh, staff come in the summers from local colleges. So a college like the one I work at that were taking hospitality programs that were co-op students. And, and, uh, and we're like, man, we should do that. Maybe we could be as awesome as they are. And, and, you know, we might've been supervisors in a dining room and they were just servers, but they really had a, they had, the, they had the understanding knowledge of this industry. So we went to, we ended up in Barrie and Georgian college, um, and, uh, started working there and, and that, you know, that kind of woke us up into a whole different aspect of, of the industry. And, uh, and so I ended up, and that's where I, when I graduated after a three-year tourism management program, I ended up in, uh, in, uh, uh, in a management training program with the Chateau Laurier with Fairmont Hotels or CP Hotels at the time and great experience. And uh, from, I did that for a year and turns out I didn't like at the time. I really enjoy now, but I didn't like wearing suits. And uh, so I ended up going to work for youth hostels. I'm not sure if you're familiar with youth hostels, you know, the backpacker kind of thing experience. And, and so I got the opportunity to manage the Ottawa, um, what used to be the Carlton County GAL. A lot of people, when I say this story, you know, start saying, well, hostel, oh, that's for delinquent kids. No, 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 it's like backpackers, but it happened to be in an old jail, which is kind of cool and made a lot of people think, wow, this is cool and we should go there. And so I was managing this this 168-bed kind of hostel. We recreated Canada's last public hanging there. We had all kinds of fun with that place. And again, I uh, really enjoyed working with people. And I, and, I, and I got to move to a position of Director of Operations for all of Canada for hostels. We had 80-plus hostels, got to travel the world, got paid to travel the world, um, you know, learning more about hostels and, and developing quality standards and so on. And again, it was an amazing experience, but both my wife and I are like, oh, we want to have a family and I'm gone. You know, I would be gone, I would say, a good three quarters of the year, I'd be on the road somewhere. And so we um, we figured, oh, I got to find a job. So that's where I got a managing a hotel in Montreal. Did that for a couple of years, had children, and, and we established here in Embrim. And we loved the idea because it, was, uh, it, was, it wasn't quite close to Montreal, but it was closer than if we lived in Canada. So that that's kind of where we were looking in this area. And so um, so we were doing that, but family life really sucked uh, when you, you know, when you commute. And I would leave, you know, Monday morning, come back Wednesday night, um, you know, come back again, like go back to Montreal Thursday morning, come back Friday, sometimes Saturday. Um, you know, like living the glorious life of a hotel manager, I had a nice room in the hotel, but but it wasn't a good family life. And I think I, I have this, and I'm not sure if it's if it's still 100% true, if it's just my my memory that that uh, that tells me this, but I remember my son's first words, and it's always kind of been ingrained in my head, and my son is my oldest, and it was always daddy home, not daddy. And so it just killed me. And so 
at the time I was a corporate guy. I wanted to climb up the ladder, be a big shot. And, and, uh, and when that happened it just changed my whole outlook and I, and I was like, okay, I gotta, you know, figure out my priorities. And, and so we, you know, I started looking at come home on the weekends, look in the Ottawa citizen for a job. And I was ready to take anything to move back here. And I got lucky. I got into the college as a full-time faculty member, I had the right skill set. They were like particularly looking. I've been at the college for 25 years. I got very lucky because most full-time faculty I hire, are hired after being part-time for many, many years. And it just so happened that I had a skill set that they didn't have anyone part-time that was doing it. So they had to go to the outside to look. And I got, yeah, I got lucky very lucky and, and it's been an amazing job. And as I was mentioning to you, so I was, I've been a professor at Algonquin for 22 years. And then I just started recently in the last three years as academic chair. So I was academic chair in the school of hospitality, school of business. Now I'm back in the school of hospitality and it's a extremely re rewarding position because the teaching position, um, you know, going from a corporate GM of a hotel where you're looking at bottom lines and don't get me wrong. I love looking at numbers and that's my passion, but, but to use that, that passion and actually go work in an educational environment where you're helping people, you know, um, fulfill their dreams, hopes and aspirations for the future. I mean, pff, I never, you know, I, I worked for the, as a professor for 22 years, but I really didn't work. Like to me, it was just, I got to share my passion, share, you know, and that, that was awesome. And, and it's been awesome. Uh, Algonquin College has been an amazing experience. Um, so I, and I, and I was fortunate, you know, I went from, a, you know, my son saying daddy home because I wasn't home. I went to a job where I was off all summer with uh, my kids and I mean, pff, won the lottery of life. So I think I have that on my Instagram that I won the lottery of life. I really mean that. And that's why for me, and not to sound cliche or anything like that, I feel it's important. You know, I'm in this community. This community has given so much to our kids, to our family that I, I, I feel that it's it, that it's only the natural thing to do to give back. So, you know, whether it's a, you know, someone calling saying they want this or they need, you know, can you listen to me? I have this challenge. I'm happy to do that because at the end of the day, you know, it could be me asking someone for help, you know, just moving into the community and stuff like that. I think, I think we owe it to all to each other to do that. And that's what makes our community that have that sense of small community feel right. So, yeah. So that's my Algonquin background for you. <laughs> I go off on rent. Sorry. No, it's perfect. That's exactly, that's exactly what this is for. Uh, two questions. Uh, how do you feel you bring your passion for hospitality to your role as a counselor? And also what was it like raising kids in this community? Oh, sure. Great questions. Two, two kind of different questions. Let me mm -hmm. just answer the easy one first. Well, they're both uh, easy. I think, um, my hospitality experience in um, in my role as a counselor is easy. Uh, it's an attitude of servitude. Uh, like hospitality is about serving, taking care of people, helping people. And that's what brought. That's what kind of. That's my passion in hospitality. And so, being a counselor or, or getting involved in the Parks and Rec committee, committee or being involved in the Library Committee, really, it's an extension of that. It's just really supporting our community and helping people. And you know, a lot of times as a counselor, we we look more at a much bigger picture in the sense of you know, it, it doesn't things that we do impact individuals, but we don't always see it. 
but the odd time we get a call, we get a request, uh, you know, someone's having a challenge and, and we're able to help. I mean, that's uh, such a rewarding um, experience. And, and so to me that, that's that I think it's a natural extension of hospitality and and so I, that's what I love I mean I'm in management now at Algonquin so I'm not teaching hospitality but to me as a manager even as a manager and I've got you know 30 some odd faculty members um, that I work with I'm one of them I'm just there like my goal is to support them to do the best job they can that's the way I see it so my job as a counselor is to support our our staff at township to give the best possible services for our residents and if I give them the tools um, you know if I give them the tools and and the ability to do amazing work for our residents then I'm helping our residents it's kind of a you know a circle like that so I think hospitality is a natural like you need i think everyone needs i really believe everyone needs to be a server at some point you know like a, a, you know work in a restaurant and and be a little bit under pressure of multiple priorities you know different tables coming at a different time and and dealing with upset people how do you listen you know listen to people and so on so i you know to me in my career in hospitality before coming into algonquin has been probably one of the best schools of life, you know, and I was telling you I didn't do well in school when I was younger. Ironically, just a, a, a ironic portion to that story, which I kind of went off track. But anyways, I, I got kicked out of CJEP, right? I told you that. And I had uh, grandparents and certainly a grandmother that was very pro-school. And, you know, I, she was disgusted by the fact that I got kicked out of school and so on. But out of all of my brothers and sisters, I have a master's now in, in business administration, which I took much later once I was at Algonquin and, you know, found my passion. And so studying when you know what you like and so much easier, right? And so I excelled at that, did really well. And, and my grandmother, rest her soul, she's, she's passed now. But she said, you know, of all my grandchildren, you're the last one that I thought would have gone this. And not only did you get a master's, you're a teacher. Oh, my God. And so so anyways, I don't know how I digressed to that. But that was that was uh, that was that you had a second question. I remember that. And the second question was, what was it like raising a family in this community? Yeah. So it was it was amazing. It was it was um it was, I couldn't have asked for a better environment for my kids. So I mentioned earlier on about uh, our daycare provider, uh, which wasn't far from here. And, uh, and she was such an important part of our, our children's development. Um, she, because of the French piece of that, that was, that was formidable. Ça a vraiment aidé à nos enfants d'apprendre le français, d'apprendre toute la base qu'ils avaient besoin pour aller à l'école. And uh, so that was amazing. On est dans un environnement où on peut laisser nos enfants se promener le soir en bicyclette puis pas trop s'inquiéter. C'était vrai dans le passé puis je pense que c'est encore vrai en ce moment puis fait qu'on est vraiment choyé à ce niveau-là. On a un environnement où ce que on a beaucoup de sport, beaucoup d'activités pour nos enfants. C'est sûr qu'avec avec le complexe qu'on va qu'on va construire, il va en avoir plus encore. Mais déjà là, il y avait beaucoup d'opportunités pour les autres d'aller se promener en bicyclette. Moi, juste comme ma jeunesse, c'était en bicyclette durant l'été, puis ça revenait à 7-8 heures du soir. Puis fait que nos enfants avaient cette opportunité là. Puis puis ce qui est le fun dans notre communauté, c'est que mon gars ou ma fille, ils vont se promener chez un ami, ben je connais les parents. 
parce que j'y connais, parce que je me promène là, puis je les vois souvent. Si je ne les vois pas à, à travers l'école, peut-être je les vois à travers quelque chose d'autre, mais on habite tous dans le même coin. Fait que c'est vraiment, moi, je trouve ça super bon. Puis on, on parle souvent que... It takes a village to raise a, to raise a child, and I think we have that here, and we're really lucky to have that here. So raising a family here has been a, uh, you know, has made it very easy for us, and uh, and we feel very blessed. My 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 wife went through a, a little challenge over the years, you know, with some cancer many years back, and uh, it it was a bit of a dark time for us, and when she. You know, the, 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 the amazing part is how the community came together to support. It was just truly amazing. And, and so I made all of that. Again, it just, it just makes you realize how rich and how lucky we really are. You know, like not money, not counting about the, you know, the things you have, but the environment that you're in, the environment that your kids are growing up in. And I think that, that the, um, the proof is in the pudding in the sense that, you know, both my children are grown now and my son works locally here, uh, with the physio Goujon and hit, and, uh, he just moved to Casman, bought a house in Casman, but he was trying to live in, in Andre and my daughter's here now and they're, they're not rushing off to leave. You know, they love it here. They love all their friends are here. All the roots are here. And it's great for, it's great that we're able to provide that for our children. And, and so I think I feel very blessed Uh, we, you know, I told you we kind of made a lucky guess coming here, but it was, we were very lucky, you know, like, so won the lottery of life, as I mentioned. And was it that uh, housing prices just went up recently and that's why your, your son couldn't? Yeah. So my, my son and, and his girlfriend have been looking for the last, um, year and a half and, and truth be told, they were staying with us, um, trying to save for a down payment. You know, like people starting up, c'est pas évident. And so, um, so they're, you know, they've got their, their down payment. But as this COVID is progressing, the prices of homes are going up ridiculously. And so they found a place in Castleman that's, that was within their range, which I still think is a big range. And that's a challenge. And I, I, you know, and I don't know if, I don't think it was like that when we bought here, but I feel that it's such a, you know, so hard now for these, these young couples, uh, you know, young professionals to get into that housing market. And, you know, debt is so inexpensive now, which worries me. Because I mean, as much as it was inexpensive for us compared to my parents, you know, mortgage rates were, were in the 18, 19% when my parents bought their home. <coughs> and so, For us, I remember when we first got our mortgage, it was 9.6%. And, and every book I read, because I always read about finance, I love that stuff. Every book I read says, sign, if you can get anything under 10, sign as long as you can. You know, like within four or five years, we were like breaking our mortgage to get a 6%. And, and now it's even lower. But if it ever goes up, whoosh. That's the scary part, you know, so that, that to me is scary and the prices were, were high. I think it's, it's uh, stabilizing now and they've gone down a little bit and, and it's interesting. And, and from a community perspective, you see that on Notre Dame, our main, main street, you saw older houses go up for sale. You know that, you know, there's, oh, you can get this much for this house. Wow. Now's the time to put it up for sale. So there's a lot of homes that, you, that 
you know, never would have gone up for sale right now. All of a sudden they're like, wow, I can get this much for this. And so it's interesting. Now you see the signs are hanging on the, on the lawns a little bit longer. And so it's good. But I always worry for my, my son is, you know, did they buy at the right time or not? But I, you know, I'm, when it comes to a home, you have to say, look, I'm buying this home because I, I like it. And then it's a place I want to live for a long time. And so if you're buying to speculate as an investment, that's now is not a good time to do that. Two years ago, it would have been a great time to do that. But hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So, so they love their house. They're happy with their house and, and they're comfortable with the mortgage payment they have. So as long as it doesn't go up, they're good. And what complaints or issues have surprised you over the years of coming on the council? Because it's very different thinking of like, oh, these are priorities and these are the things that attention should go to. And then when you're actually in the seat. That's a great question. That's a great question. And, and I've got good answers, but I just want to make sure I don't give any examples that identify any issues. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the biggest eye opener I had when uh, when we went through uh, oh thank you very much when uh, when I started is um, is neighbor neighbor issues and uh, it's amazing how some of them just go way over and and we're all particular <clears throat> we're human beings it's a it's the nature of the beast. We're all particular. I like my yard a certain way or, you know, like you threw leaves on my property or, and it's not, it, it, it's not that bad, but the ones that do boil up are really bad. So that to me was a big shocker. I'd never expected people that live next to each other that, that could get to a point where they're at, you know, there's so much animosity that they're going to go out of their way to build something that they don't want, but just to spite their neighbor or something like that. So luckily, as I'm telling you, this is not something that happens regularly, but it was a sh surprise for me to see that. Um, and, and so that was a shock. The other shock... I shouldn't say it's a shock because because I was guilty of it too. As a resident, look, you 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 know, you go to work, you you pay your mortgage, you have your family life, you have, you know, your activities and everything else. You don't get involved in knowing how much it costs to pick up recycling and and why is it only come once a week? Why can't I get it twice a week or once, you know, why do I have to have a gray box every two weeks instead of every week? Come on, you know, like we don't think about that as residents, but it's something that we need to, we have to think about. So those are some of the challenges. And so you get sometimes these complaints around these kind of things. And you're like, you realize that, you know, that, that this costs money. And then that would mean that every resident would have to pay an extra hundred dollars a year. Well, I don't care. A hundred dollars isn't a lot. Okay. It's not a lot to you, but there's another, you know, 10,000 residents that are like, no, that's way too much. And so that, that's, that's, that's some of the issues that we do get. Um, one of the big challenges that, that, that we get every year, especially around budget time, uh, we, around budget time, we always have an opportunity for residents to bring their concerns or their, their asks to, to council for consideration. There's not a huge amount of extra money. There is no extra money because, 
every so right now every year we when we look at budget and we say what is one percent extra on your tax bill represent so if we increase taxes by one percent to every home in Russell Township right now it's about hundred forty thousand dollars more to our budget sounds like a lot of money but if you're looking at an operational budget of twenty five million dollars it's really not a lot of money and you don't get to do a lot with that and so you know one of the biggest issues we have is roads we constantly get a lot of complaints around the roads and and rightfully so some of them are terrible and the problem with roads is is that they cost a lot of money and uh, and how do you justify which road gets done first and so that's always a challenge. So we have a process with the township where where we have a, a plan and based on actual facts, we can say, okay, well, this road, based on the amount of traffic, based on the current condition, should be the next priority. And so that's, that's a big challenge that we regularly get people complaining about roads. But one of the things that, again, we're very proud of in this council is we've added 1%. I mentioned that 1% earlier. We've added 1% above and beyond of, of tax increase every year, um, specifically going to roads. So that money goes to maintaining the roads. One of the problems with, with many councils previous to ours, and not to say that we're doing anything magically, but the Ontario government now mandates it from, from municipalities, is we have to manage our assets. What does that mean? So imagine if you, you buy this house. So you buy a house, you don't put a penny into it, and you just live in it, at some point, you're going to have to replace everything in your house. And are you going to have that money saved up to do that? So most municipalities for the longest times kind of did that, kind of ran their operation that way. So we're like, oh yeah, let's build, we're going to add more roads. Yeah, let's get this complex, great. But everything, everything you add is now something more that you have to maintain. And so it may not cost you today, you know, I put in a sidewalk, for example. Well, it's great. People are happy we have a sidewalk. Well, now we have to make sure that we clean that sidewalk in the winter, make sure that we plan that when the cement uh, disintegrates or whatever, that we're replacing it. And it's it sounds like not a lot, but it may it's it's a major impact. And that's something that our, our council has really addressed. So we have an asset management policy. Again, it's something that our provincial government has mandated, but we've really embraced that. We're really uh, working on making sure that every new piece of assets like a new fire truck or anything like that that we get right away we're saving money to replace it or to fix it along the way so often we just replaced one of our um, i said fire trucks because we just replaced one of them we replaced this fire truck that you know three hundred thousand dollar vehicle and it doesn't impact your taxes this year because we say there is money in the pot for that. And we're doing the same thing for the complex now. We're doing the same thing for the dome and so on. So I'm really proud of that because I think, you know, that's how I like to manage my own finances, right? I, you know, maybe not when we were first starting, when we first bought a home because you're barely making it. But, you know, once you kind of get caught up, you're like, okay, well, I want to fix my roof in three years. I'm going to start putting money aside for it now. So there's no sticker shock when it happens and I don't have to change my life that year for that. So, so this is this, I think this is one of the really nice things that we've been able to, to do. Again, it's not something a local resident thinks about. They want the road fixed and I don't blame them. But every time we, 
we do anything on a road, that money that's that's there, now we have to save up more money to fix it in 10 years or in 15 years and so on. It's never been done. So right now we have to find new money for it. So we've been increasing our budgets in certain areas to be able to cover those costs and not only fixing them now, but also planning for the future. So. And what's been informing your approach to politics and council and running a municipality? Sure, that's that's great. Um, great question. You've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very curious and open-minded person. <laughs> that's good. That's good. It's clearly demonstrated here. Um, so what guides uh, my decision-making? So as a resident, I, I always, you know, I, like in management, when I was managing the hotel back in the day, when I, you know, managing my own household, I, I, I'm, as I, I think I mentioned that finances for me, I, I like to, to analyze finances. I like to plan. I like to make sure that there's no surprises. I'm not a big risk taker. I don't like to invest in something that, you know, might give me greater return, but I might also lose all my investment. I'm a planner. I like that. So, so I use a lot of that in my kind of, when I look at the finances, when I look at, you know, cause we analyze all these financials, I want to know, okay, well, how was it last year? Are we on track to get that kind of revenue? Are we, you know, our expenses on track, like with COVID right now, we were impacted by a lot of our revenues, you know, from daycares and stuff like that, services that we couldn't offer. So those, all those revenues are impacted. What are we doing on the expense side to manage that loss, you know? And so, uh, again, I love looking at that stuff and analyzing and planning for it. So that that helps me a lot. I'm, a, I'm curious by nature when it comes to that stuff. And like I said, I'm, I'm not a, a high risk, high risk tolerance person when it comes to finance. And, and I think as a resident, or as a counselor, if I was a resident, I would want a counselor that is not risking everything you know, on an off chance. So I like sure bets. And so we're using our residents' tax, hard-earned tax dollars. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to think that I'm treating them as if they were, you know, like it's my hard-earned money. Uh, so I, I like to respect that. I mean, I'm a resident, so it is technically, you know, part of it comes from me as well. So I think that's my my big aspect. I would say that that is, is one of my main direction. And then balancing that, of course, with, with, um, you know, having a, a a good community, which includes things that that perhaps I don't see a, a you know I don't see a direct benefit from, but I know that my community benefits from it. So, an example of that um, now is let's say for example investing in a dog park. Back in the day, I had a dog. It's a different story. But right now, you know, we're spending X amount of dollars on a dog park. I think it's amazing. I think it's great. It's an opportunity for people to, to talk, to for dogs to socialize and so on. So it's not something I'm benefiting from directly. And, and you know, there's no value other than for my community here, but I'm happy to support that. And I think that that's important. And so I always try to keep that, you know, when we make decisions, always try to look at the finance piece, look at the community piece. What, what does it bring to the community? Library is another good example of that. Library does not make money. It's not designed to make money. And so it's easy for someone who wants to cut to say, well, that's costing money and we can easily just cut that. Sure, a few people might be upset, not a lot, because you don't get a lot of people going into this library, but it's such a big part of the community, and do we really want to do that? Arts is another aspect, right? Culture, all those things. So I, so I try, again, 
I'm a big low risk finance, but I but I also look at it as hey, I live here. I want to have a very rich community environment experience, and so I want to have those things. So it's important for me. You know, I don't want to just have stores and you know and schools. Uh, church, you know, it's nice to have other things and opportunities to bring the community together. Now, having said all that, uh, one of the big things, one of the easiest decisions I make at council is when community gets together and wants something. And and so for me, I find I'm I'm energized when I get a community group that comes and they're willing to do the work, put in the effort, you know, do some fundraising and so on to beautify maybe just their this area that's close to their home whatever but if the community if as a community and we see that a lot in parks so the local park you know especially in the new developments so we the township and and the builder kind of develops the, there's always parkland a certain percentage of a development goes to parkland and so you know we'll put in the the basic infrastructure in a park well, so the residents come in and say, oh, it'd be nice to have some trees. It'd be nice to maybe have a little gazebo where a community like the locals can get together when the kids are playing. And while that's not part of a budget, but if the group organizes and they start fundraising and stuff like that, man, I'm jazzed by that. I think it's awesome. And we'll do whatever we can to support. And we'll even put matching funds towards something like that. Because now we're like, now we have a community that's bought into that. They want that. They're going to take care of it. I mean, obviously, we still take care of it and fixing it and so on, or township does. But it's to me, that's good. And we're experiencing something like that right now. There's two parks in our community that that have that very active kind of local groups. And then we were um, we were we've always been challenged with the uh, old train station uh, at the start of the trail. Do you know which one I mean? So that building, that building has um, historical value, but not to our township because it's not from our township. It came, but it's been here forever. I mean, it's been here when I moved here and it was there and it was pretty much abandoned when I was here. But so in the Parks and Rec Committee that I, that I chair, there was like, look, we should do something with this or we should get rid of it because it's just sitting there and it's getting worse. Um, and so... We tried to get community involved and you know, nobody's taking ownership, nobody's taking initiative. And so, you know, the recommendation to, from the committee went to council saying that that uh, you should make a decision about it, either fix it up, get rid of it, level it or something, but it's falling apart. We can't just, just leave it like that. So council looked into it and, and township staff advised us you know there is a municipality where this did come this building came from they may want it and so on so we had we had some takers that were interested in it and as soon as that reached the newspaper a local group here got organized and and started saying whoa whoa this is such a big part of our community we want to get involved and we're like perfect you know get involved what do you need from us we're here but it has to be something that could be maintained once you stop being involved because we can't you know it can't start costing more money for residents so we'll see where it goes but right now we've got a really active community group that's really keen on getting involved and they're well connected with local builders and so they may get some support there and fixing it up and so on because it's a beautiful little spot it could act as a you know interpretive center for the for the trail i mean the trail is such a nice part to our township um it could be a, a little place where there's some historical you know 
uh, pictures of our township and stuff like that where, where local, you know, whether it's local or people coming in for a hockey game with their kid and they want to go for a walk, they see that. So I think that, I think it's got a lot of opportunities. So, so that, so again, going back to your point and to your question, which was what, how, what guides me, you know, my, my finance kind of thing is, is important for me. My service thing, being a resident, being part of the community, giving my my share, even though I may not directly benefit, and then community groups. When the community groups get together, I think it's hard for us to not care about that, you know? So definitely helps guide us. And what's the, the name of this community group if other people want to get involved and contact them? So there is a face group. Um, uh, there's a face group um specific on the on the train uh, save the train uh, group and it's through facebook and, uh, and there is a there is a um, facebook group uh, mon village it's called um i don't want to misquote that i'm gonna check that one and it's a very active local facebook here in Ambre. i'm not sure if you're familiar with it if you're not you should get involved this guy Alain, Alain Sauvage is uh, Savage. Sorry, is uh, is kind of the moderator for this group, and he, and he's amazing at bringing people together on this on this page, and uh, and so I think it was partially because of him that this kind of got out, and people got involved. So so through his group, they can you can connect to that group, um, and so I'm just trying to find the the name of the group here to confirm with you. Go ahead, ask another question as I'm, as I'm, uh, yes. yeah. What's been your experience with the, the transition that we've been going through with the different forms of medias and ways of communicating and reaching people? Because you're in hospitality, it's about connecting and talking to people and sharing information and building that trust with them. And now you're in politics as well and teaching the same thing. And yeah, that's a, you're good with the questions. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, so I'll get you the name of the group after because I can't find it here, but communication has so drastically changed hasn't it in the last year and a half i mean it's um i thought uh, i thought i was pretty smart in 2018 when we uh, when we uh, started this election process i get, i got my web page you know who even goes to web pages it's all through like through a social link then you'll go to the web page but really you have to have established all these kind of feeders into your nobody just uh, people still search the web, but for your page to come out or anything like that, it's impossible. So you have to be through all those les tentacules, you know, like through, you know, uh, I'm blanking now, but Facebook, uh, Snapchat and all those, right? So um, I thought I was pretty good with my my website and then realized, you know, I need to have a Facebook presence. So did that and did the snapchat snapchat my daughter would love to see me get a tiktok thing but that's not going to happen as much as i love dancing but <laughs> um so i th i think that i think it's amazing the communication like what the evolution here you know so 2018 what we had and there's an election coming up in 2022 you know the game has changed I would say 60, 70%, you know, there's still some basics. There's still the value of going to someone's door and actually talking to them. But our tools now are so much, you know, have evolved so much. I, you know, I can have meetings with, you know, like I'm in the tourism travel business, right. And, or that's what we teach. And so, you know, travel agents and business travel was such a big thing, but nobody needs to go to Toronto for a business meeting. You can just have a face-to-face -face meeting online and, 
and it, you know, with 10 people, no problem, you know, and it's seamless. It's perfect. And I can share my screen and I, you know, you can add notes to my screen. Like it's amazing. So the technology has, has really evolved. And I mean, the proof is in the, in the pudding with our, with our uh, council meetings, our council meetings are regulated by law. They have to be public. So when the pandemic hit, we actually prior to the pandemic, we're having these discussions because as counselors, there, you know, our roles are part-time roles. I mean, I have a full-time job and, and other counselors have full-time jobs. And so sometimes our full-time jobs take us away from, from being here on a Monday when we have council meetings. So what happens? And so it's important that we don't miss those meetings, but now, and we were like, no, you have to be here. If you can't be here, this, that, and you know, so I was always a challenge and a stressor. Whereas now we, we've gone virtual and no problem. So our next stage now is to explore how can we do bimodal? And so that, you know, if a counselor can't make it to the meeting, they're still there and they can still actively participate and so on. So we haven't found the answers to that, but that evolution has been amazing. So, so all that to answer your questions, I think it's interesting because that to me, I, you know, that, that Facebook group that I tell you, I look at it every night and, and it kind of allows me to keep a pulse on what's going on in the community. It's not always factual, right? Because you hear the best and the worst of what's going on, but it's a great way to keep a pulse. So I, I'll never, I'll never action something on one comment, but if I see a thread and everyone's upset about a certain intersection or something like that, okay, well, we need to look a little bit deeper into this. Why is this happening? We talk to our infrastructure people and realize, oh, this happened. Okay, well, we need to address it. We need to communicate this with the, with the public. And, and that's, you know, that's where the value of that social reach that we have. And we've done, uh, you know, again, at, at, um, at council, you might notice that electronic board, you know, in front of the township office, that's something that's important too, because as much as we may be connected, not everyone's connected or tuning into that Facebook or the township Facebook and so on. And so we had an issue with uh, water. There was a boil uh, water advisory about a year ago. And so we were reverting back to the old school, going door to door and giving papers. And, and I found that kind of amazing that considering where we're at now, that we are doing this and I believe we were already in the pandemic at that time. So it, it's amazing to think about that, that we had to revert back. Obviously, it's a safety issue. You don't mess around. But but so as much as we've evolved in one way, we're still not all there. And so that's why something like that electronic board, if people aren't connected, they're still getting the messages and so on. So, so that's to me, that's the evolution. But I still haven't gone into TikTok. Yeah. So. <laughs> I won't say I waste, I don't waste the odd hour looking at TikTok, but that's a different story. Mm -hmm. So there's the sign in front of city, city, city or hall. town hall. Yeah, town, yeah, hall. town hall, yeah. Uh, there's going door to door. What other non-digital or social media ways have you found of connecting and, and spreading the word or getting information from people? Yeah, I think I think uh, um, obviously attending events, which is now a, a challenge, uh, which we're starting to um, experience, um, and so I think that that's a really important one. I also I got involved. Um, 
I, I would say for different reasons in, in some social organizations as well. So for example, the Kin, Kin Club here in uh, Russell, very active, amazing organization that, that supports our community. So I actually got involved with it, not on a political side, but really because I was like, man, this group is amazing what they're accomplishing and giving money back to the community, giving scholarships and supporting students and everything else and doing it all on as volunteers, like amazing stuff and so i got involved for that reason because you know whether i run or not in the next election i want to get i want to stay involved in that community so i think that's a really good way to keep a pulse on what's going on you get to we have regular meetings with the kin club and so we get to you know to see people uh, at events not right now but when there are events you get to talk to people and so on and that to me is such an important part obviously right and so being from Embrim, i'm really well connected in Embrim. i've got really good you know, like because our kids grew up here and we've been here for 27 years right now and, you know, re really well connected. Russell, not as much. So being involved in an organization in Russell is good to get to know more people in Russell and so on. So I think that's one. Um, we've got a few really outspoken, amazing residents that are very involved in the community that connect with us to make sure that we know what's going on as well. So that's that's kind of a secret weapon if you want, um, because there are some people that are passionate, retired people that are passionate about knowing about everything going on in our community. And so we we typically, you know, have have some sources around that. So that's very helpful as well. So and and they love doing that. So it's awesome. And what about the timing of running for council? Like how how has that influenced your life and managing your time with work and with family and so being a member of council and managing my time um, is a is a constant uh, juggling act for sure. Um, that's a tough one because uh, I try not to think about it too much. Um, so my job as uh, as academic chair is uh, is a pretty intense job with the college, very rewarding job as I mentioned before. But but it is it is long hours, um, and so uh, with. I, I, as a general rule, reserve my Sundays for council work. So we typically have council meetings on Monday. I sit on a Parks and Rec Committee and the Planning Committee uh, and the Library Board. So we have, when we have meetings for those, they'll either be on Mondays that we don't have council or they'll be on Wednesdays or Thursdays. And so I usually reserve my Sundays to work on council stuff when it's, you know, because one of the things that I always despised of my previous experiences in, in getting involved as a community member with council is is seeing, and, and we don't have that now by any extent, but seeing the odd council member not being prepared for a meeting and kind of, you know, just getting up to speed as the presentation's coming in. So I always try to be as prepared as I can be with all my questions and everything. So I usually cons consecrate like my Sundays for that. Um, and this is something that my wife and I had agreed to and, uh, and she supported me when and always has supported me in, in doing this. So that's where the time, the, the best way for me to manage time. So it does allow me to, uh, you know, on, on nights where I don't have a council meeting, like for example, tonight, uh, to have more flexibility and do stuff and, and have a life. 
as well. So, but, but don't get me wrong, you know, like part of having a, a good balanced life is doing what you would like to do and doing what you want to do. And so right now at this stage of my life, this is uh, what I love to do. And, and I, and I really enjoy the value that I, that it brings me. And I feel that uh, in my own little way that I'm supporting and, and doing something good for the community, which is very rewarding. Right. So I think that, that, that's where when I do have the days where I'm like, oh man, today, I, you know, seven till like nine o'clock at night or whatever, because they do happen when I have those days or, or the day after when I'm like, oh, why do I do this? I, it's really quickly dissipated with, you know, the value that you get from it. So, and plus, like I mentioned, we, we, we have a, we're very lucky. We have a great council um, and everyone brings their kind of piece, you know, my piece, the finance piece. I, I, I really feel that I bring that to the table where uh, we've got uh, Cindy Saucier, who is, is passionate um, about, uh, about um, uh, conservation and so on. I think such an important part. It's not always on the front of my mind. But, you know, when, when she talks about it, you can tell she's really passionate and, it, and it's like, yeah, you're right. That's important. We need to, we need to discuss that. So it's not always the bottom line. It's, and then sometimes my point of view kind of helps her understand. And, and so we have a, a really good and good, you know, kind of nice balance with it. You know, André Brisson is, is an, uh, our other counselor. He's, uh, he's a local farmer, uh, very involved with the community, very, very connected with the community, knows it. And, and, you know, him and I spend time chatting, you know, in between a session sometimes about where we're going, what our, you know, what, what's the vision, why something may be good or may not be good. And, and so it's never, it's always, you know, really well reflected. And, and so, so it makes it for exciting. So that's how we manage. That's how we figure it out and, and get things done. So yeah, it's good. And, and, you know, it's interesting elections are coming up. And so, uh, so I've, I, you know, it's still a bit early, obviously we still have a, a year to our mandate, but around this time next year, yeah, maybe a little bit less than a year now, I think it's October 20th or 22nd, somewhere in there, will be the next elections, the next council will be elected. And so it'll be interesting. So obviously the question is, you know, are you running again and so on? And and I haven't decided. So I have no idea. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I love I love doing this. Um, and it just, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. So what are... Like, I definitely want to know more about what you learn from the other counselors, like what you feel they bring to the sure. conversation. Oh, sure. I can, ease, I can, I, you know, it's almost like a, everyone's got a superpower, you know, on council. And so I would say that, that Jamie Lauren and, and uh, I hope none of them hear this and get upset at me at saying this, but. But it's okay. I've I've reflected this with them before. But Jamie Lauren is uh, is you know one of our longest serving uh, counselor uh, at the table. So he's got a wealth of experience. Um, uh, he's very thorough um, in 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 his understanding of municipal you know municipal rules and regulations. Um, he has a, he has a really deep rooted concern for citizens, you know, well-being and so on. Um, and he's got so, so much experience. So, so anything from protocol or, you know, cause there's all these rules. And when you first start, you're like, Oh, sorry, I'm supposed to be here sitting here, the, where you sit, where you talk, when you talk, how you talk. Um, and so he's, he's excellent at that. He's been, he's been a, a really good, you know, support for that. 
I would say I, I told you about André Brisson, who, who is a, a, a local farmer here, uh, very connected with the farming community, very connected with uh, deep roots with, you know, long-standing families here in the area. And so he brings that perspective of, you know, of certainly on the Ambrim side, a very connected, um, you know, all the culture of Ambrun that makes Ambrun the way it is and a really interesting perspective uh, when you talk to him and I'm a very caring person about the community um, you know amazing in that sense I mentioned to you Cindy Cindy is very passionate Russell resident very, very passionate <coughs> about the environment and her library and, and the library in Russell and rightfully so and also very connected in the community um, and, and so so we have this, you know, really interesting balance and add to that, you know, we've got our mayor, uh, Pierre Leroux and, and Pierre is, uh, uh, you know, local, he was a local businessman here. I saw him, I actually met Pierre for the first time when he opened his Pierre et Fils store many, many years ago. And I remember, I remember going, cause we used to go out regularly to the store back in the day before we had a shopper's drug mart that was open and so on. We, uh, we we would go there regularly, and that particular store had just gone bankrupt a few months before. It was a dépanneur as well, and it had gone bankrupt. And I think it was the second time that they changed, you know, owners. And, and Pierre was like the third one. And I felt so bad because here was this young guy coming in, going to run this store. And you can tell he was like low budget starting from scratch. I think he had three of everything, you know, three boxes of craft dinner, you know, you know, just very low stock and stuff like that. That's pre-movies and stuff like that. And I remember seeing him there, you know, 10, 15 hours a day. You know, I'd go to work, come back, still be there. Sometimes come at night, get a loaf of bread or a milk and still be there. And he just, he was there and he built that business up from scratch and you know it turned out timing was good with the videos back in the day but he did an amazing thing so he's got a really good entrepreneurial mind he's a he's a really good you know he, he represents well that side of you know our, our developing our community i told you i'm not a big risk taker but he and i'm not saying he's a he's a risk taker but he sees he sees the potential and so he adds that to it as well so so i think that that's good and he brings us all together it's interesting i didn't know that when i first started council but you know he actually doesn't even vote on anything and the only reason that he has to vote is if it's to break a tie so when the four of us vote if they you know if it's clear you know all four of us vote for something or three and one uh, he doesn't get involved so i always thought he had like more power or anything like that but really he just oversees the council and if there's a tie he votes so but again he brings obviously he shares his perspective when we d discuss and debate and he brings you know also was a councillor uh, for a term, or a term and a half, I want to say, and then he became mayor. So he's got all kinds of experience, really good positive experience as well. So we are very lucky. We're, I think we're in a really nice, unique situation where we have this really nice balance and we work, work really well together. And, and I think the proof is, is, is in the, you know, the evolution of our township over the last four years. We really are doing some great things. There's some great, you know, new businesses coming in. One of, one of the, my big arguments at the beginning was to grow our industrial base. Uh, so we have commercial, i.e., you know, Starbucks coming in, the AW, McDonald's and so on, which is great because that supports tax, like it brings commercial tax. But 
industrial is something that we are really low in terms of you know where the the tax money comes from in our municipality and so there was a push certainly on my end to develop our industrial park at the 417 and I'm really happy to report that as a group, we're kind of moving in the direction that we're servicing in. I think it's expanded, I would say about 40, 40% since, uh, since 2018. And it's growing. If you go there now, you'll see, and I've, I've posted a couple of these like new uh, build approves and we're selling land like crazy there. So this is amazing for our community because we're going to have this industrial area. So all kinds of employment opportunities, but, and it's in our township, but it's not, in a neighborhood you know so industrial is great but often if it's mixed too close to residential it's not a good mix right and so we have this at a you know you can take your bicycle to work there if you want it it's not that far and so i think that's amazing and and, and it's really evolving nicely it's access to the highway access to ottawa to montreal it's it's a really nice industrial park so i think that that again that's that's the proof of how well our our council works because as we were discussing this as we were discussing potentially getting some new lands purchasing new lands you know cindy brings in the perspective of the environment you know uh, you know how how is that impact the environment how does it impact our water here in ottawa and, and or not in ottawa not in ottawa it's ottawa water but how does it impact the, wa the water does it have an impact on you know on future generations and so on so she brings that we don't just look at the money piece we don't just look at the revenue and taxes we really have a nice holistic approach to it and so i think i think we're very lucky i think residents are in a really good you know situation right now with council so I'm biased, obviously, because I am a counselor. <laughs> <laughs> and how has you being involved in all this uh, affected or evolved your relationship with your wife? Well, we're getting personal now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should ask her. She's amazing. She's kind of my rock. She's um, She's an amazing partner. You know, I, I really believe everything in life has to be well balanced and everything. And I and I hit the jackpot with uh, with uh, getting to meet her many years ago in Lake Louise. And she's from Sudbury. I would have never met her had I not gone to Lake Louise. So, um, but um, you know, she's been a supporter from the get go. And 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 we, I have to say honestly, probably didn't bargain for the amount of time that this um, this position does take and and coupled with the fact that I moved to a, a, a chair's position at the college more or less around the same time so I think I think uh, the time constraint and challenges have been a lot more than what was kind of agreed to um, but um, but she's been an amazing supporter and and she's very passionate resident in our in our community as well and so she's happy to see the involvement and the evolution. She was a very active member many, many years before I was on a park and Re parks and rec committee. She was very active in a committee to bring a pool to Embram. And we had a group of residents that was trying back in the day, but you know, the timing was just a bit off um, because the council at the time wasn't interested and, and the population, I have to say at that time, the mix of population we had wasn't interested in developing you and everything. So, but yeah, she's been an amazing support and I, c I couldn't do what I do without, without her. And, uh, yeah, a rock, very lucky. I'm very, very lucky. And yeah. And I, and I count my lucky stars every day. And what shared memories do you have together from living here? 
Oh, geez. Um, a lot of memories. I mean, you know, like we, we have two children, two very healthy adults, I should say, uh, yeah, that, um, and my wife has always been a, you know, I, I come from Montreal, a single family, uh, my mom on her own working and everything else. So we didn't have a lot of the, uh, the, um, extracurricular, you know, we'd have the casserole in the oven coming home and so on. So, and my wife comes from the total opposite of that, where she two very caring, very connected uh, parents. And, and, uh, and so we, so we were able to, uh, you know, because of that influence, we were able to have that for our children here. And, and so all our memories, and, and I think the fondest memories are about, you know, the, 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 the birthday parties, the kids' birthday parties in the backyard where the community is, you know, is joining us where, you know, she'd have parties with 30 kids and, and I, you know, I, I, we never had parties as a kid, not to think that it was wrong to have them, but I was like, can we not just have a regular one with like five kids or something? But, but that to me now in hindsight is like, man, those were the best times. And our kids really, you know, I remember, uh, I remember, I think it was my son's, yeah, it was my son's uh, birthday. I don't know what age, cause my memory for that is terrible. But, but at the time there was that uh, game, uh, you know, where people had to do these gross things. <laughs> I forget what it's called. Uh, fear factor. Yeah. Mm. So the whole birthday was fear factor and she was making kids eat gummies, but that looked like worms. And she had like so much involvement into it. And I was like, man, and, and, and it's funny cause our kids were adults now still reminisce about those, still think about those. And, you know, and, and again, I, I go back to sport, right. Organized sport. My daughter played hockey with the Russell Coyotes. My son played hockey with, uh, Embram, the Embram team and the connection with the parents and we'd go away on tournaments and, and if, you know, I, I didn't grow up with, you know, team sports or anything like that. So I had no idea about the value of that. And I didn't want to push my kids. I didn't want to be one of those parents that pushes their kids to do that. But the kids wanted to, because it was a good way to have more friends. And lo and behold, that's how we got more friends, you know, because of their involvement in the sport. And, and so, so many memories were, you know, get togethers, which involved, you know, hockey parents and so on. And so those to me are amazing, amazing memories, um, you know, going, you know, going back and kind of looking at the time we've had here in, in Embram over the years, our communities evolved a lot. Um, you know, I, I reminisced about uh, going to, uh, to, uh, swim lessons in, 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 in this guy's mom's home. Cause it was a beautiful home and they had this pool. I mean, nobody would think of that being normal now. <laughs> so, so there's some great memories around that really nice. And I, and I think uh, some of the really nice memories too, you know, uh, more on the community side is those events, like I mentioned, you know, the Carnaval, um, the uh, Christmas parade, uh, which, which unfortunately we're not going to have this year again because of COVID, but we had friends that, um, that would come my sister lives in Boston. She would come from Boston with her kids for our Christmas parade here because as nice as it is in Boston, and it is a nice parade there in Boston, you can't get access. Like everything's here, you're on the street, you, you know, like, and you know the people that are on the floats. And she always thought it was amazing. So we, you know, she would, I think for a good five, six years, she was here every time we did that Christmas parade. So with her kids all the way from Boston. That's impressive. <laughs>
Yeah. So that's, that to me is, you know, those are some of the, you know, memories that, um, that are, uh, that are kind of ingrained. It's funny, life goes by really quick, eh? and, you know, you always hear that as you're growing up, <laughs> right? And you're, and you're in the thick of it, you're in the thick of it, and you're like, yeah, don't tell me that, like, right now, you know, like, can't afford this, and, you know, or the kids are young and screaming, and, and uh, they're not sleeping through the night, whatever. And where, you know, where I work at the college now, we have a lot of uh, young faculty members that are just starting their family, you know, their families, and... And, and I find myself saying, hey, enjoy it. It goes by really fast. And I remember hearing it going, yeah, yeah, it's not fast enough. Right now. <laughs> and, and you know it does. It really does. And take the videos, take the pictures, no matter. How, like we're lucky now. There's, there's just so much of this now because of our phones that we're able to capture every moment. We had to walk around with a big pack with a JVC uh, camcorder and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, we're just cleaning out some stuff and we have these old tapes. I'm not sure what we're going to do with that, but <laughs> yeah, I totally remember that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, that, that feeling of time is passing by quickly and, and going back to you saying, you don't know if you're going to run again. Uh, I'm, I'm curious how time in the future and thinking down the line is, is affecting your decisions as to what you want to do next. It's, it's a long winded way of asking what, what's, what do you want for your future? You know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's good. So it's interesting. I'm at a, I'm at a kind of, um, in terms of my professional life at the college, I'm, I'm not ready to retire yet. You know, I've got a good few years left, um, there. So, so I'll be doing this, you know, um, I would say, you know, well, without saying anything too much, but I, I, you know, three to seven years before I retire, four to seven years before I retire. And so in thinking about that, and that means that, you know, doing this position um, and doing the, the council position as well, if I decided to run again, so is it, is it, uh, is it, is it doable? And what's the, you know, risk reward, you know, I'm not a big risk taker. And, and so trying to, trying to do the math of the pros and cons. Like I said, this, this position as a counselor is extremely rewarding. We we're, we're seeing some amazing things that are just on the cusp of happening. The, you know, sports complex, we're moving ahead, but it's not going to be built before the next election. You know, we're lucky if like we're, we, some of the projects are moving forward, but the actual pool and everything else is not going to be there next year. It's going to take another few years. So, so we've worked really hard in moving these projects forward. And I would hate, I would be uh, distraught to think that we did all that. And there's a new council that comes in. They're like, no, no, we're not doing that. Cancel all the money that we spent so far in planning this. And we don't want that or anything like that. So that scares me. And that kind of has, has, you know, has an impact on, on the decision a little bit. And so in terms of looking at the future, that's, I'm asking myself that question and I have to say probably more than, than I should at this stage. Cause I, we still have, you know, we don't have to declare anything until I think June or July. So, so I, I think that for the future, I'm, I'll, I'll probably have a better feel for it depending on what happens. So we, I think it, there's a 30 day or probably more than that, actually about a two month period where we, where we are, um, you know, nominates, have nominations and so on. So, 
So I guess it'll depend on what happens at that time to make a final decision. So I'm not leaving this community. I love this community and, and, and I'm excited to see kind of, you know, the next evolution of it, i.e. meaning, you know, my kids having kids and so on. So I'm excited to be a grandparent in this community. <coughs> And I'm excited to know that we're going to have these amazing facilities. I can't wait to be retired and go walking around the dome in the middle of January on a Tuesday afternoon. I think that's going to be the coolest thing ever. Go for a swim, you know, in the middle of the winter and stuff like that. And, um, and you know, hopefully have a library either in the complex or something or where you can go spend some time, unplanned time and, you know, meet up with people and so on. So I'm excited about that. And, and so I really want to make sure that, that we get to that. And, um, and so that'll kind of help, that'll kind of, I think, guide me in the next kind of few months in, in how we go down that path. So this is new for me. I think um, there is a rule around um, council where we become, they call them lame ducks, at a certain period um, where we're not allowed to make any more decisions. So, you know, as soon as I think an election is called, I think very soon after, there's only very minor decisions that we're allowed to make. So we're a lame, lame duck council, it's called. And, and so this is something else I learned. But, but so, so at that time, then, then you focus on, you know, elections and stuff like that and some, you know, any urgent issues that come up, but you don't make any big strategic decisions anymore. So, so that'll come up and we'll see what, what, what happens after and we'll see who's running, who's not running. I would love to, to be with the same team that we have now for another four years because there's a lot more work to be done and uh, and we're moving in the right direction. We're asking the right questions. We have, you know, we challenge ourselves sometimes when, you know, when someone doesn't agree so much on my viewpoint or I don't agree on their viewpoint, but we have a really good kind of a appreciation for us being a bit different. And then we always typically end up seeing eye to eye on it and, and finding kind of a solution that works and addresses, you know, everyone's superpower, if you want. And so I, I'd love to see that team come back. We'll see what happens. That's the nature of the beast. So we'll see. And what is it like for you to run? So in, in, I hate, I hate the term to be honest with you, but I'll say it <laughs> to be honest with you, it sucks. <laughs> the, the, the running, um, the running for the position is probably the worst part of the position. And I'm not the only one that thinks that many people in the role of counselor, because it's a, like, I would love if all it was is, you know, put me in any seat in a public environment, let me talk, let me meet with people that are interested in hearing what I have to say. But the door-to-door -door stuff is just brutal. And and again, it, it goes back to my, you know, how I think, right? As a resident, someone coming knocking at my door and trying to get a vote for me, I was like, look, I don't have time for you. Just leave me your paperwork. And so I hate doing that. I hate doing that. You get to meet amazing people and you, there's some doors that are awesome. And, and you like, uh, you know, I, it happened at the last election as much as I didn't like doing it. Obviously you do it. You get to meet some people and, you know, like I've got three hours to do some door knocking. You end up going to see three people because one of them you talked to for two hours and it was awesome. But there's also the ones, yeah, I don't have time for you. I don't have time for you. I don't have time. I don't care. I, I hate that. 
<laughs> that's brutal it's brutal on your ego it's it, it's a tough one and um so i would say you know again being you know brutally honest about it that's that's the worst part of running i love the debates i love you know hearing questions from residents because you have an engaged audience asking questions they actually legitimately want to know if you can do a good job so that to me is awesome i can I can, and I love crowds and I'm comfortable in that environment, but the door to door is just uh, brutal, brutal, <laughs> brutal, brutal. So, and yeah. and what do you like about crowds? So, so as I was mentioning, the people at a debate uh, that come to see the councillors discuss, answer questions, are interested in and are interested in the process, may have a specific issue that they're concerned about that they may have an opportunity to bring up. So it allows them to have an opportunity, like they're engaged in the process. So I'm not just coming to disturb you at your house while you're having dinner and you're seeing your wife or your your kids for the first time in the whole day or you know or, or there was just a big argument at the table with one of your kids because they're not eating their broccoli or something like that and i just show up hey how you doing i so crowds are awesome because again that it it's you know you get good energy from it and uh and it's great because you also get to see the debates I like because you get to see what the other counselors or all the aspiring counselors as I was last time, you know, what their, what their superpower might be, what, you know, what they're going to bring to the table if they get elected. So I think it's good. And, and at the end of the day, I, I you know, I, I really, really strongly believe that, that, uh, most people that put their name forward to do something like that and, and council is one, but it's the library board, the parks and rec committee, you get involved. And I think I have, I've yet to meet a person that doesn't care that's involved, that's doing it for the wrong reason. So everybody, you know, whether it's someone that beats me next year, let's say if I'm running and they get more votes and they get a counselor, I'm going to be comfortable knowing that, you know, there's a really good chance that that person's there because they do care. Now, do they have the tools to do the right job? Are they going to take a couple of years to learn and so on? Those are, those are, you know, other aspects to it, but their heart is going to be at the right place. I haven't met someone who's doing this volunteer. I mean, council is not volunteer, but I've met anyone that does any of this um, just for greed or for power or anything like that. Not, not here anyways, you know, it might be different in a big city or something like that, but here it's, everyone is there for the right reasons. And that's awesome to me. That's, that's very rewarding. Just yeah, yeah. It's, it's the noise gate that if the volume goes down to a certain amount, then it just stops taking in sound. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So if you're a certain distance and you're quiet, it's going to, not gonna pick it up as much my, my noise gate is a, a bit more open than okay. yours yeah because my voice is louder and travels over to your mic oh, more than yours travel travels okay. yeah <laughs> i can give you my teacher talk if you want for what makes you feel that uh for ottawa it, it might be a situation where somebody is uh trying for counsel because of power as opposed and greed as opposed to it's in their well, I, I just, you know, I, I kind of said a bigger city may have, you know, um, for different reasons. You know, I think I might be wrong. Maybe it was just a, an assumption. Um, 
you know, it was more to the point that in the, in our community so far, I've never experienced that. Mm-hmm. My assumption was, you know, it's, look, at, when you're looking at it on the outside, it's like, I, and I hear it all the time, ah, those damn politicians, you can't trust them. You know, they're just power hungry and stuff like that. So you hear that a lot. And I can say from firsthand experience, the people that are, that are at our council table are not there for that. And, and even the people that were running against us or against me at the time, I was one of those noobs running against, um, you know, nobody there, or I certainly didn't experience anyone there being there for the wrong reason. They were there, they're, they're, they're caring local community members that, that feel that they have something to give and, and certainly feel that they're, that they have a stake in the success of our community. So, <clears throat> and so, I'm, you know, the assumption is it's not always like that in the bigger city, right? There is, you know, there's, you know, political affiliations. There is, you know, there's other things at play there. Um, and, you know, let's face it, there's also a lot of money in the largest. We have the two here. We have a lot of developers and, you know, they, you know, they, they want a certain thing. So it may Maybe there is an opportunity for that, but I certainly don't see it. Like everyone is truly caring of why they're representing their community. They want to do something to make it better, and they feel that they have what it takes to do that. So, and what other ideas have have come to you since you've started doing this as to what you want to see take place in the community? Originally, the library was the main motivator. That's correct. Yeah. So, well, obviously the complex was, was, was right, right on the get go was, uh, was a big part for me. The complex at the time, at the election time for me, it was more about having an indoor pool. Um, the complex uh, certainly evolved and the whole area. There is, is much a bigger project now than just a pool. Obviously we're talking about three ice rings, a library there amazing outdoor uh, space we're even having uh, discussing a having a little snow mountain where you know kids can go sliding amphitheater um, so all kinds of really cool things we have obviously the, the, of course the Jonathan Pitt Park that uh, that's starting development right now which is awesome uh, fully accessible park so that's good so those things were kind of were just nice bonuses. They were not part of the original kind of plan. The industrial park was part of the original kind of motivation because if you looked, again, I'm a finance person, so if you looked at where the tax dollars were coming from, our percentage was really high for residential, you know, money coming in from the residential side as opposed to other municipalities and very low on the industrial side. So, so that was always, you know, that makes sense. It makes sense that rather have a big company pay for some of that garbage pickup and stuff like that right or the infrastructure and so on so that's that's um that to me was always there and that's kind of going to evolve that's going to continue that's something that has to continuously be kind of worked on because it's you know like we're doing a major investment now doing a study for water sewer there so we're spending a fair bit of money which will come back to us but, you know, it's an initial, you know, taking a risk. I had a hard time with that because I'm not the risk guy. I told you that at the beginning. But we had, you know, we had a really good balanced discussion. Our mayor was, you know, for that, pushing for that. And it makes sense wanting to develop it. But we are taking a risk, you know, calculated risk, investing right now for it. So so that's going to be something moving forward. Um 
obviously the other aspect that I kind of quickly talked to you about that we really want to push is that asset management policy we're doing where we've started and we wanted this done before the election is a full service review of what we're offering residents so everything from you know the amount of hours that the um, township office is open to uh, every single service that's offered and what is each of those service uh, cost not because we want to cut them but because we want to understand as if people are complaining we don't have enough of this okay no problem we can add more but this is the impact and we have a good understanding and so that so we're doing this full service review for every service in the in the township so we have a good understanding and so we can plan better so that's an evolution and i think from that um, I think the next council will have some challenges in trying to understand because obviously, you know, we can just keep increasing taxes all the time and not that we do that, but, you know, at, at some point, like as a resident, I want to make sure that the decisions that council are taking, you know, take into account the value of every dollar that I work hard to make, right? So so I think that that's why that service review is going to be important. And from there, we'll have some challenge, some some decisions to make and so on. So I think that's the evolution <coughs> for the next council. Um, and and obviously, I you know, one of the rewarding parts for the next council, if all goes well, as long as that council is supportive of it, uh, will be probably to cut the ribbon at a sports complex and to actually see it come to life, uh, see kids going in there taking, you know, uh, swimming lessons on Saturday morning. You know, like to me, that's that's going to be a, a, a big push an exciting in event, you know, and, um, you know, new hockey rinks, um, um, hopefully, you know, with the new, new hockey rinks, there's an opportunity maybe for some accommodations. So i.e., a small little hotel, you know, as we continue to grow here, um, you know, I mentioned an amphitheater, so maybe some events over the summer, some music festivals and so on. So there's all kinds of new opportunities that come up as we develop th this kind of infrastructure. So that's exciting. So there's, I think there's some great challenges, but some really nice rewards moving forward for the next council. So I'm not sure if I want, obviously I want to be part of it. I will be as a resident and, and maybe as a counselor, we'll see. And for anybody who's interested in possibly running, what is the time and attention commitment? And how does that change your relationship with people around you? Like you had relationships and connections and conversations with people before you were on council and then... Sure. So, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. So I'm, we're lucky in the sense, you know, our children are, are out of the nest and they're independent. And so I'm, you know just even a few years back when my daughter was still at Boston University, we would go to Boston every second third weekend to watch her play hockey and so young parents that are very involved in their children you know at that age it's a tough it's a, it would be a grind and so you're giving something away to to put in the proper time to do the job so i think i certainly i'm speaking for myself i feel lucky i'm in the position now where you know like my, my children are independent they're adults so it's a lot easier to hive off a Sunday. And for me, <coughs> again, for me, it works well. My Sundays are, are given to, um, uh, to counsel, to prepare for my community meetings and so on. And the odd time where I don't have to worry about it because we don't have a meeting on Monday or something, then I get like a day off, which is kind of cool too, and, and do activities with my wife. Um, other than cleaning or 
yard work, which there's tons of nowadays. Um, but, um, but so Saturday is that for me, for my, my, the commitment as a general rule, I would say as a counselor outside of any committee responsibilities, the first couple of years is a lot more intense because you're learning a lot of new rules. You're learning a lot of new processes. You're constantly uh, trying to figure out how to do something, how to get something done. If you have good mentorship, which I was lucky to have, it's very helpful. Um, but there's a lot of time involved in researching that, which I no longer have to worry about. So that's 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 helpful on my end, but it's something to think about. So I would say that a uh, regular counselor, I would say in my first couple of years, I was I was spending probably a good uh, 20 hours of work every week you know, two and a half days worth of work every week uh, to prepare for council meetings and, and to sound like I knew what I was talking about. Um, and, and that's a challenge. And, and then it goes up and down. So in the summer, we typically don't have council meetings in July. We have sometimes emergency council meetings. So you prepare, but so you, you have a little bit of downtime in the summer um, and then uh, October. So we just went through budget. So for me, going through budget and putting the time that I need to do it means that I take holiday days from my regular job. So that's days that I take away from my holidays um, to do that, which I don't mind doing. But so last week, for example, I took three days of holiday leave to to be able to work with budget and prepare with budget and stuff like that so but so there is a commitment um but it's you know if 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 um if you get reward out of you know making things happen and and being involved in things happening uh it's a it's a great opportunity so i recommend people to try it you have to you know obviously be comfortable in that environment and and want that but um yeah, as long as your heart's in the right place, you you'll find your you'll find your groove with it. So that's that's my belief, anyways. And how do you find the, I guess, like the culture or the 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 process? You know, you, you have to speak in a certain way, sit in a certain place, you have to address people a certain way. Yeah. So so again, it comes with practice, and uh, and so. Um, I think the hardest part is bringing up your ideas. So, so, you know, I can in the middle of a conversation. So even, even if I got my package for the meeting, let's <coughs> say I get a package for the meeting and it talks about something and I have an idea that I can, that I'd like to bring to this. Well, I can't just, you know, at the beginning say, oh, by the way, I want to, you know, talk about this here because so it has to have a process. It has to have so much notice. If I want to come up with an idea that's not in the agenda, I have to add I have to ask, you know, so many days ahead of time to put it on the agenda. Um, so there's all kinds of rules around that. So I would say that the first year I was pretty gun shy coming up with like my thoughts and ideas because you know, a couple of times I did and they're like, oh, you're not allowed to do that. You have to bring it next at the next meeting. Yeah, but I don't want to agree with that. Okay, well, you can do that. So you have to ask to amend it and make a deferral. And I'm like, can I just say I don't want it? <laughs> so, so, you, so you do have to, and, and obviously that protocol is important. And, and, and the biggest kind of surprise about it all is that there's this, uh, you know, there is an integrity commissioner. And so, if, if I get a complaint from a resident or even a council member, another council member or a staff that I'm, 
that I'm not following pro proper pro protocols or, or it may appear that I have, uh, you know, not treated staff in the proper, you know, code of conduct. We're like staff in some ways. We have to follow the co code of conduct. Um, and or if, you know, if I, if there might be a conflict of interest that I didn't report, they can report me and I can kind of get in big trouble for that. So those things always kind of scare you when you first start a job. It's like, what do I do not to get in trouble? So... That was a big one for me. I was I was pretty nervous about that. As a matter of fact, I remember one experience in the first year I was there. A person I knew as a builder went to our planning department uh, to ask something. And as a joke mentioned, well, I know the counselor. I know Mike Ternoski. And the planner said, you know, that guy said that. And I'm like, well, he's a joker or whatever. And she goes, well shouldn't be saying that and and so right off the bat as soon as that item came up because it was a planning item right away I said oh, I'm declaring a potential conflict of interest I had no like I was not benefiting from him getting this you know decision or not but because I thought it might appear like that I got paranoid and um, and so I overreacted on it but I'd be rather be safe than sorry but you get worried you know like it was Anything like that that happens, it happens in the public domain. So, you know, I screw up at work right now. My work people, my work environment might be upset. I screw up here. Well, I might be in the local paper the next week. And yeah, I don't want that. So so that that was a bit stressful. So as a new counselor, that's something that you would need to, to know that you're going to deal with, you know. But at the end of the day, if your heart's in the right place again, you know, people will forgive the odd mistake. And, and if it's a genuine mistake, you know, that's, it's not a problem, but you don't always feel that at the beginning. Right. So, yeah. And how has going down this road of politics influenced your perspective of politics and politicians? Has it, uh, has it changed? Uh, you know, I, I think it depends on the level. You know, one of the things that, that I did, um, really, really learn to appreciate is that municipal politics with the council here has more impact on the day-to-day -day lives of our residents than any other level of, of uh, politics. Obviously, in the COVID situation, our federal, pol um, you know, federal level and the provincial level has had more impact on daily lives of residents. But in terms of things that could change your quality of life, the I think the municipal level is is got so much impact on your life, and so that's that's one thing that was a bit of an eye opener. I always thought you know the most important thing is a federal election. You know the prime minister, the prime minister, well the prime minister, ninety percent of what they decide, you know, will have very little or limited impact on you. Not to say that there are some roles that will have a major impact, but very little. And at, all, at the uh, provincial level, a little bit more. But at the municipal level, you know, we increase taxes by 6%, 7%. And they'll have a big impact on you next year. You know, or if we don't properly manage our resources and spend foolishly on projects that have no impact or no value for the long term, those things will have an impact. We change garbage collection to once every month. That will have an impact, you know, on the quality of your life. So so I think that that to me was was kind of the, a real big learning curve around that for sure. So. And how do you keep uh, how do you keep learning? 
about? Oh, that's easy. I'm in education. That's an easy question. Yeah. Uh, I believe in lifelong learning. That's uh, been a staple of my core belief system. So, so I am I always go into any room thinking I have something to learn from this environment, and uh, I'm eager to figure out what it is, and uh, I'm always open to it. And you know, having been a, a teacher at, in college. A critical thought for me is is really important. So we always taught our students, you know, have debates, have discussions, you know, but prepare good critical arguments and and challenge people and 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 you know it makes for better decisions in management and leadership and uh, council. And so so to me, I'm always open to learning more. And and I'll never I'll never you know whether it's whether it's um, you know, someone that just started a job, let's say a new employee at the township or a seasoned, you know, 35 years of experience employee, I will listen to them just, just you know, to me that the input that they have will be just as value and same for residents, you know, and, and, uh, and so I'm always, I'm all, I always, I'm, you know, there was the, the saying, I'm sure you've heard it because it's been used over and over again, but you know, God gave us two years and one one mouth for a reason for there's a reason for that ratio so mind you in this particular podcast i think i've done 99.9 <laughs> percent of the talking but which i'm not used to but but I, I i'm always keen on learning and i always believe that every situation that that uh, you go in there's an opportunity to see a different viewpoint and 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 we d deal with that you know all the time at council and and so I, I i'm always open to that i'd like to say i'm always open to that and i believe i am i'm sure there's probably video or occasions where i may not look like i am because i have a belief in something but yeah always learning always happy to learn and what were some of the points of views that took you a while or a process to come around to understand? Not even agree with, just to understand or empathize with. Yeah, so we've had we've had some challenging ones, and really early on in my uh, in the in township, uh, there was one particular one. There is um, there is uh, you know a street, for example, uh, like this that may have not had services in the past. I uh, was on. Uh, well, I was on well and and uh, septic, and now there's an opportunity to bring services in. So the way it works is that so let's say you're on a street with ten homes, make it nice and simple. The way it, it was always working is um, if fifty plus one percent of the people agree that they want it, you're getting it and you're paying for it, whether you want it or not. And uh, I struggled with that. Because if I'm one of the persons that don't want it, and we're not talking about, you know, an extra hundred bucks here, we're talking about a lot of money. And let's say you're a retired, you know, couple or something living in this home, you've been here for 35 years, and you're happy the way it is. And, and your well and septic are perfectly fine. So why would I go spend $30,000, on it? So that was a really tough one. And so for me, it was, you know, there's no, there's no, it's no fair that those four residents on that street of 10 people have to pay for something that they don't want. It's a service, but they don't want it. Yeah, it'll give them more, more value in their property and everything. But if they're retired, they don't care. They don't care about having more value on their property and they're perfectly fine with it. So that was a really tough one to deal with. And so... So we had a lot of debates. We had a lot of uh, uh, residents coming in and, 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 you know, pushing for either side saying, yeah, well, 
you know, Bill and Ted, uh, the Bill and Colleen that I've been retired for 10, 15 years, well, they should pay their share. Why should I pay more for them to get it and get, not that they may connect to the water, but it'll be there and it's so much cheaper for them to connect. So, so that was a really tough one. And, and, you know, the initial reaction is, you're right, it's no fair, we shouldn't do it. No, every, if, you, if those five residents or six residents out of the 10 want it, they should pay for it. Obviously, it doesn't make sense down the road, but how do you deal with it? So we were able through, you know, compromise discussion to figure out plans where we were able to, those residents that didn't want it were, were able to, to not have to pay for it. Obviously, they wouldn't be hooked up to it. And then future residents moving in, let's say the house sells or something, well, they they would have the opportunity to sign up for it, but they would have to pay like the value, you know, today's dollars. So let's say, you know, the connection would have been 30,000 in, in 2018. And well, maybe now with inflation, it's 37,000. So if the house sells, it'll be 37. So the township ha is not charging those five people more. It's hanging on to that value. Eventually it'll get paid off, maybe 10 years, maybe 15 years. But so we were able to find this compromise. So again, just a way to kind of, you know, go through it. And one of the hardest things in, in the job as a counselor is to make everyone happy. You can't make everyone happy. And so sometimes finding a middle ground works really nicely. Other times middle ground is not acceptable to both groups. And so you end up making a decision and then one group is really happy and one is not. So that's the, the joys of it. But I always like to try to find the middle. It's not always available. <laughs> And so what do you do as a form of self-care in, in regards to like... Medicate. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, self-care and, and taking care of, of my... The one thing I don't do enough is exercise. I know that. My son re reminds me regularly. He's a physiotherapist. And so he's, he's very physically active. Both my kids are, but... So that's the one thing I need to focus more on. But um, but I, you know, enjoy the company of, of people and, uh, um, you know, so my social, the social part of my position is very rewarding in that sense when we're not in those hot seats making big decisions or difficult decisions, I should say. And so it's extremely rewarding. So we just went through the budget process, for example, where, you know, it's not always uh, pleasant and we had some tough decisions, but we, man, it worked out really well. We came out with a great budget and it, you know, and so, so that's a, that's a benefit. And, and going back to, you know, the, 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 the value of, uh, you know, meeting with some neighbors, meeting with some good friends and having a good bottle of wine and, you know, a nice meal and, and reminiscing about the past. And, and so those are all very important and, and planning for the future. I got to say is too, you know, thinking about what you do when, you know, when all of a sudden maybe you're going to become a grandparent and so on. So those kind of things, you talk about and those are the the things that uh that 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 help all of this uh make it a really well balanced life at the end of the day right balance is the importance and i do have the odd beer here as well too so <laughs> and what is it like to become a, a grandparent i'm not there yet not that well, i know the, of. <laughs> <laughs> well the, the road to well, you know, it's interesting because, because again, in our circle of friends and, and, uh, you know, when the kids were playing hockey, when they were younger, we, you know, the, the, 
there would all, there would always inevitably at some point in the year would be that discussion. Oh, who's going to be the first grandparent? Oh, well, let's let's place a bet. Bottle. <laughs> who's you know? Yeah, gonna, your kids. Yeah, you're definitely going to be a grandparent before my kids or whatever. And so so you start thinking about that relatively young, but you don't really think about it. And um, and I think I'm I'm looking forward to the opportunity. I think that. Um, I'll be happy to sacrifice time there. So I, I think when that ever happens, if it happens, whenever it happens, I, that'll definitely be a, uh, a if I'm not retired at that point, it'll be a, a great time to want to retire and, and, and be there. We're very fortunate. Uh, my, um, on my, on my wife's side, uh, her parents, her father is just an amazing, amazing man. He's been, he's been there for our children all along, supporting them in their journeys, going to every hockey game and being involved and, you know, like helping them so much and being so, such a big part of it. Like I, you know, I look to him as, you know, my, my target. If I can do half of what he did for my kids, man, I'll have an amazing, you know, I'll be an amazing grandparent. Not to say that, you know, their other grandparents weren't amazing, but he really takes the cake on it, I got to say. That's unbelievably important. Like being being connected to the people you work with and and see something inspirational within them to feel accepted by them. Same thing with family, if, if not more. Oh, I think so. You know, the, 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 there was a tacky... Uh, there was a tacky uh, poster I uh, I used to have, and I think I think many people know this, but the, the, or have seen this, but I, it always meant a lot to me. And I think it was a picture of a of a beach, and uh, the water, you know, the the surf coming on, the wave coming on, and you know how it erases the the any marks in the sand and stuff like that. <clears throat> and it talks about how a hundred years from now, it's not going to make a difference. The kind of car you drive, you know, the amount of hours you worked or anything, the, the impact hundred years from now, after your lifetime is gone is if you had an impact in a child during your life. And, and so for me that, you know, your own children, obviously you want to be, a, you want to have an impact on their lives, but, but the grandchildren, so that's where you can kind of, you know, like, have a, a longer lasting impact so my father-in-law who's who's uh, very healthy here but he's in his in his uh, 80s extremely healthy very active and so on still golfs every day on the summer and walks the course and but he's so involved in my kids that i know that that uh, you know 20 years from now he's still going to be the talk and and my kids are going to talk to their kids about him and so that to me is like that's important that's the most important thing you know everything else is i think that's important you know you have an impact on their lives you you help shape their lives and that's what i love about teaching too i mean you know that's an yeah it's awesome what what people have impacted you in your life and how does that still carry on till today? Yeah. So I, th I think I just mentioned my father-in-law has a major, major impact. So, so I came from a, a divorced family. My mom did uh, worked her butt off, and so she she influenced me from a work ethic perspective um, to make it happen with four kids. You know, going back to school and trying to figure stuff out. 
she she became a teacher so she had a major major impact on my i think on my work ethic on on never on not wanting to take risks and always wanting to to have enough you know i'm a planner when it comes to finance and stuff like that so she's had a major impact for that <coughs> my father-in-law from a from a family perspective you know i didn't know what a full family what that looked like um, and so when i met my girlfriend my wife now and seeing her family like being so close and and so actually involved and actually meaning it was mind-blowing uh, unfortunately my wife's mom passed away at a relatively young age and her father remarried to another amazing woman He's had two marriages that have lasted over like 30 years, <laughs> like craziness. Um, and, um, and so he, like, I, you know, definitely look up to him. Um, I was just, I was just tearing up my, uh, my deck in my house and he was like, yeah, I'm coming to help. I'm like, You're 84, 85. It's okay. You don't need to. And so amazing, amazing man. Probably I would, I would, you know, I would, I would venture to say that he's probably been one of my biggest influences in my life. So, so he, I wouldn't say that in front of him, but it's <laughs> on record now. But, uh, so, so he, he was, he's definitely a big influence for me. And in my younger life, I think, um, Elvis was, <laughs> <laughs> I cried when he died back in the seventies. Wow. Yeah, but that's a different story. And uh, let's see, who else that had an influence on me? I've, I've been fortunate. I had some really good mentors uh, work-wise. Uh, so from a professional development, career-wise, I was really lucky that, uh, that you know, through, through my career, I met, uh, you know, some bosses, if you want, or supervisors that that really mentored that that shared their you know life lessons and so on so i i always try to do that because it really i you know it, it brought me to where i am and it gave me the opportunities that i have and without those people i you know who knows where that that would have been so there's at least two or three um you know past um, um managers or or yeah managers that that i would say were important in my career development and so on so family life my father-in-law is 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 kind of the key work life i had a few managers like i said and then work ethic and and uh, you know drive uh, would be on my mom's side it's like drive to you know you know to make it work and i th i think that yeah i think that sums that up pretty good and, and how <clears throat> excuse me and how do you want to see council operate moving forward versus like remote versus being in person okay great question so we're, we're actually discussing that question obviously the in-person part is really important <clears throat> the in-person part to me is very important because you know um one of the things that we often talk about is, uh, um, you know, when we're next to each other at council, we, you know, you get to see body language a lot better. Sure, I can see it on the screen, but it's it's limited. I certainly, um, you know, from a public's perspective, so public asks us questions, but they're they're generally just typed, and so I I I like the um, you know seeing the person come up pose your question you know you can see their body language you can get a good feel for uh, the passion behind the questions and so on 
so I love I love the face to face and I hope that that we resume I can't wait to resume face to face having said that I like the flexibility it allows more people to kind of join our meeting to observe the meeting not that it's you know the most popular thing to watch um you know if there's a hockey game going on or something but um um I think it 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 provides more access to people to uh, to be able to join so I like that and I like our ability to to do that to support a counselor that can maybe that's maybe a way on a business or other work related trip or something to be able to still join because in with the few times and there's only been a very few times where a counselor has missed uh, counsel which which is awesome you know if you think about four four years and we typically have about uh, close to 30 meetings a year and and uh, I can count on one hand the number of times a counselor has missed a council meeting <coughs> and so uh, so I think it'd be nice to have that opportunity for those counselors because nobody wants to miss a meeting um, and so I'm hoping we're, we're able to do both but we all I think we all around the table agree right now that you know the priority is to be there and as an exception if we have that option to be remote and still be involved I think it's good but but definitely face to face it's and and being at uh, you know in in the um, in the council chambers you know the door is open public can walk in at any point in time and I think that's important we're accountable to our residents we want to be front-facing we want to be you know accessible and I think I think that's that's crucial are you ever concerned that there might be too many people moving into the community and things are just going to change and people aren't going to have those touchstone connections anymore? So I had a feeling you were going to ask that question. And uh, it's a question that I ask myself, um, you know, because development is good, right? The growth pays for growth is is a typical thing we, we talk about at council. So every time a house is sold, um, a new house is built, I should say, or, or sold to the resident, there's a portion of the sale called development charges that go to support new development. So they support, you know, new road infrastructure. You know, there's a bit of money that goes to the library for new books. There's some money that goes into parks and recreation and so on. So building new homes and the growth, the exponential growth that we've been experiencing <coughs> has really allowed us to... Um, do a lot of development that's paid for by the new residents coming in, which is awesome. But on the flip side, one has to kind of say, okay, at what at what point is there, there too many? Because again, one of you know, and we were talking about this at the beginning. One of the highlights here is that community feel, the small town feel. So we don't want to lose that, and so we all have a different measure of when we start losing that or not and and so i think that's a major challenge uh, it's not a challenge that uh, that that i think has been fully realized by council by by township staff <coughs> so i think that's going to be something that's going to be preoccupying you know future councils because the growth is you know exponential i mean you know we just had planning a planning meeting because I sit on planning yesterday and we're talking about developments with 300 plus units going in you know and there's no one there's multiple and so there is a lot of development coming it brings a lot of new money new services to the community which is great but somewhere in there where's the balance and it's interesting because 
when when I was you know much younger with our family just starting up and everything we wanted more services we wanted the pool we wanted more ice time for our kids in hockey and so on and we're like yeah bring on more residents so we can have that and I wish we were a bit bigger so we can have a pool here instead of going to Orleans so we're getting there and at that time when we were wishing for that you know a lot of the older residents were like no we don't want that we like our little community we don't want to grow anymore and we're always ah older people like they don't understand like all those services be great but then as we move as i move through that cycle we're like yeah what's that right balance trying to find that right balance so i don't have an answer to that question but but there is definitely a concern there that that needs to be uh considered you know because there is there is probably um you know, a range somewhere of, of adding too many people and all of a sudden you have traffic Saturday mornings on the main street. And, you know, like, I mean, we already have lineups at Tim Hortons. That might change now that McDonald's is open next door. But, you know, those kind of things and those, you know, annoying things that, um, that you don't want to see. And all of a sudden you don't know who the person next to you lives. And it's funny, you know, these developments are bringing homes closer together, but people are further apart, you know. And, and so, yeah, that's a, definitely a, a concern. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel the community services really comes in. You know, they, the, those are the places in which people can have those conversations, can get to know each other, can experience a different context than, you know, there's, there's a risk to a certain degree of like reaching out and connecting with somebody. Cause what if it does go bad or, you know, if you don't keep it up or something like that, there are people who have those anxieties, but when you get to meet outside of that context. It's it, extremely enriching, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so you know, I've had the opportunity to do that, you know, whether, whether like we have in the library board, haven't done it this, this year or last year because of COVID again, but we have volunteer appreciation, um, uh, evening around Christmas. And so we have all the volunteers, we do a potluck and you get to meet people. <clears throat> I sit on the library board and there's so many amazing volunteers that put in their time freely that are so passionate and involved and you get to meet them and, and just having a chat with them, you may not see them until maybe a you know a week later at a grocery store or something. And you, oh, yeah, we talked, uh, and so I think it's so enriching and it adds so much, you know, color and 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 variety to your day to day, which is awesome. And so I definitely don't want to lose that. And it's great that we have those those social environments to do that. And hoping you know more of those will come up. Uh, as we get out of COVID, we had we had this great uh, thing um, called local flavors that uh, that uh, our economic de- uh, department has been doing over the years, and um, it's uh, it's just bringing in local businesses uh, to the Gonsal here in in Embrim, and you pay an admission fee, and then if you want to sample their food, you you know pay a little extra for a ticket, whatever. So there's you know beer, there's brewers, there's you know winemakers, there's uh, local restaurants, and so on, and there's music, live music. Man, those those events are awesome. Like you know, you get to see people. You get to experience our local businesses. You're supporting local businesses. You're getting to know local businesses. Those to me are awesome. And I can't wait to get back to this kind of stuff, you know, after COVID. So where did they take place? So uh, La Grande Salle, Salle Camille Piché here in, uh, not far from here, where the rink is, the, uh, the, the mm-hmm. hall there. So we typically have those there. And and so we were, we were at a stage where we were doing it, um, 
once a year. I, w I was pushing it for twice a year because local flavors, and it seems natural to do it in the fall and in the spring, right? You know, maple syrup and stuff like that, just from local producers, local farmers. Um, you know, there's... It, it's really nice and it could be you know two different themes and it's just a great way to bring the community together and this is here in Embrim, but obviously it attracts people from all around but again going back to to the fact that it's so central you know like for most of us that are in the established portion of town you can walk home and so you can have a few beers and have fun with people and we'd have you know the local dances and stuff like that so those are to me crucial and i 100 percent agree with you that that as we grow we can't you know forego that and hopefully we get our new residents to get involved in that and get to experience that and get to see the value of all that um and there's always a fear that that you know that doesn't happen you know like i grew up in the city of montreal well, you don't trust the people you meet down the street you don't do eye contact you know like why are you looking at me you know like and then you're in a small town here it's like well you look at me because i know your parents oh yeah oh yeah you know like so i hope we don't lose that for sure and that's something that's a concern for all of us and so trying to find that right balance we're not there yet figuring it out but but it is front center like in terms of thought process and how else has covid affected your life your work your family <laughs> Well, you know, I have to say that that um, that I'm blessed and lucky. Uh, I've heard some horror stories, you know, people losing jobs, and, and and you know where where I work, where we teach in the hospitality industry, so that's restaurants, hotels, and so on. So many people were, you know, lost careers. Um, you know, they're going to come back, but I mean, it's it's momentum that you lost. We have, you know, I I know a few restaurant owners that, you know, that were moving well we're planning for you know retirement or we're seeing their business develop all of a sudden shut down and you lose your life savings and you've put in you've invested everything in that and you know for the next six months you can't make a penny and so you sink in all the money that you've saved up to keep it afloat so there's been some terrible terrible stories there and and i'm not even talking about the health aspect you know of, of lost loved ones and so on so you know, I, I, I'm very lucky. I, you know, my biggest challenge is that uh, I didn't have to drive into work as often and uh, I get to spend time on a screen, which is not great, but really, scope of everything, it hasn't impacted in a, in a bad way at all. Um, but, but it, you know, every time we talk about that or we talk about something like that, you know, you have to really appreciate all the, the hardship that people have gone through. <coughs> I have this terrible story that I probably shouldn't share with you because it's sad, but the, this um, my sister's very good friend growing up, her parents were in their um, late 70s, early 80s, and he went for a routine um, surgery. And this as COVID was starting and um, the protocols weren't in place or anything like that. Anyways, he contracted COVID, went home after his surgery, wasn't feeling good, uh, his wife, so, so he managed to be okay. His wife contracted and she passed away. And then not two months later, like he, like com through complications of COVID or a month later, passed away as well. So this friend of my sister has lost both her parents. So, I mean, even losing a job is not bad compared to something like that. I mean, so that to me, 
that to me is is you know and i don't want to get into the whole vaccine debate but it's like you get you get you know that this vaccine hits you i mean it could take you out and there's no coming back from that there's no like ah shit i screwed up i should have got the vaccine yeah i'll get the vaccine now oh, it's too late. you mean the virus you said the vaccine twice as in no no oh, well so maybe i misspoke but if you get the virus once you get yes. it and it it's too late to get the vaccine like it's it's not too late to get the vaccine but if it if it impacts you in a bad way you know if you're if if it takes you out Okay, it's so you like, meant to say if the vaccine takes you out? No, no, in the if the virus. If, if the virus, spoke, yes, for, yes, thanks for yes. checking. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, wait yeah. a second. If <laughs> the know. virus takes you out, yes. If yeah. the vaccine takes no, you so, out. So my point being that you know this virus, whatever you think of the vaccine, is like if the virus has an has a chance that could finish your life, end it. You don't get a second chance to say, you know what, I screwed up. Let me get the vaccine, or I'll take the risk with the vaccine. Once you're, once you're, you know, like not everyone, obviously, um, you know, I've, I've, I've no, I know of people that got COVID and for them, it was a break. They got to stay two, two weeks in their room and their kids were <laughs> having to serve the meals in their, in their room and stuff like that. It's sad to say, but I, I know of one person for sure that had COVID, had no symptoms whatsoever, was in self self-isolation. And, and she had, she has uh, three boys and she says, I've never been taken care of so well in my life. And so, but then, you know, those are rare. They're not like that. You know, there's a lot of horror stories there. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That this, this COVID. And I mean, you know, at the college for us at the college, we've, you know, in hospitality, there was a lot of people that lost their jobs. So that, that impacts the flow of new students wanting to come into the industry as, as amazing as it is and the amount of opportunities there are in there even now as we're starting to open up again there's such massive staff shortages right now you know hotel companies are, are paying signing bonuses for people to work part-time at the front desk which has never been seen um, and so it's changed the whole landscape of you know even our education piece the the uh, industry itself so I, there are a lot of ups and downs i'm looking forward for stability and you know like regrowth or rebirth if you want and definitely a lot of changes coming about um that are you know at the college i remember we're debating about working from home you know like uh you know having offices at home and and telecommuting <clears throat> for uh, for administrators and stuff like that and now it's like yeah it's a no-brainer no big deal you know and and in the regular process of this being accepted into the you know standard and stuff it would take forever whereas now from one day to the next shut down so interesting kind of to look at it you know from from outside or from you know from 200 feet away or whatever you call it and what things do you feel uh, just you can't you can't do online? Like there's so much we can do, but what do you really value? Is like, no, this is something I'm going to invest in doing in person. Well, I, I think, you know, the richness of human interaction, you know, we, we get to, you know, to, to me, like we get the, uh, what's the 2D version versus the 3D version. Um, I think that's, you know, it, you can't measure that, that, difference it's convenient to do it on the screen but to be able to actually sit across someone and, and have a discussion um 
that's something that's too rich that can be captured you know and i and i know when we first started covid and it was full lockdown we would have these family meals with you know a couple of computers and everyone's faces oh yeah we're eating together that's nah, not the same thing at all right we you know tried to make ourselves feel good about it but yeah i can't wait for that to come back and and we started experiencing a bit of that <coughs> to me the restaurants you know one of the things that's changed i mean we i would eat out a lot way too much um one because of the work i do but but um but but that changed everything changed around that because the restaurants weren't even open so you know or, or the fact that you have to think about going to the grocery store and line up like you know like nobody here knows about that you know so that was a that was a big eye opener and that was a little panic i mean you know people bought all that toilet paper at that one point right it's yeah yeah, we it major impacts. I mean, my, you know, Poland, where where my family's from, was communist for many years, and there was always food shortages. And I remember as a kid going there, a highlight for me would be to go wait for bread or milk in the morning, <clears throat> because I was a kid from Montreal that that just didn't exist. And I would like wait, and I thought it'd be the coolest thing, and I would have, you know, one dollar, the value of a Canadian dollar, and I'd be probably the richest person on the lineup. And so, you know, having COVID kind of impact our regular routine and, and putting some of those things at risk was kind of a real eye-opener that it could change from one day to the next. So again, going back to my, I'm not a risk taker and I like to plan, that was kind of an eye-opener. Yeah, it's, especially that comment you said about how switching over to being remote work would have been a long and drawn out process, but it just happened overnight. It just happened and yeah. nobody complained. And, and, and I'm in an environment, unionized environment with our faculty and amazing people and the union has its place and there's a value there. So I don't want to say anything bad about it, but every member like uh, at the time, you know, we had to go from, you know, to teaching full face to face. Okay, we're going to, in the last six weeks of this semester, we're going to have to move this to remote. Can we do it? Can the students still get their experience doing this remote? And if so, what do we have to do to make that happen? So we just, we went from, there's no way that that would have been even a, a, a discussion starter a week before. And now all of a sudden everyone's jumping in, giving ideas. Let's try this. Let's try that. And within a week, I remember that week was amazing because we shut down school for a week and say, give us a, a week to figure out what we're going to do. And so within a week, we were up and running. And yes, it may not have been perfect or anything like that, but but students still got the learning outcomes that we were planning on delivering and so on. So so it was it's amazing the resilience and the ability of, of people to come together and make those changes. <clears throat> that I think that's to me was is probably the biggest positive of this whole pandemic, right? You know, the resiliency of human nature, we don't see it because our status of life is usually the same. But when something drastically changes, you know, you see you adapt. And and I always go back to those, you know, those sad stories and you know, in the news where you see war-torn countries and you see kids playing, you know, with a soccer ball or something but they don't even have clothes on or and they're like kids still kids being kids and like yeah people just adapt to the environment and that's what happened here you know like not in the same way but 
but you know the the adaptation was there and i think that's amazing that's cool to watch you know rather not be in it as much but (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and and being close to family and having that connection like the the ability of being able to see your kids and and i'm assuming you're so we were very fortunate so my daughter was in her last year in boston so uh, she was studying at boston university so she was in her final semester she had finished her hockey season so she had finished the last bit of of her hockey which is why she went to boston university and uh, so we had just gone through and, and had some major celebrations for the graduating class even though it wasn't a graduating time but it was the end of the hockey career piece and so we had met with all the parents we had the, this opportunity to do that so that was great and then she went um, for the first time because it was a graduating group like they said we're going to florida for march break so we you know fully supported that and she went and that's when stuff started happening you got to come home and everything so she left for florida for a week um halfway through the week she flew home and she never went back and uh and she never went back she didn't like she graduated but not there you know which is such a big part of in especially in the u.s you know the the university system there for the graduations and everything so it just changed everything changed but we were so happy that she was with us and she was safe <clears throat> we were paranoid when she was in florida when this was just starting to happen and and hearing because florida at the time was kind of an epicenter of you know not very good with covid and and you didn't know how bad it was what it was and so as a matter of fact she just they just did the graduation for the class of 2020 they just ran it uh, this past fall in uh, in boston so she got to go back and so on but yeah we couldn't even empty her apartment we couldn't like it was weird as but we were happy to have her there my son was was uh, with us and his girlfriend we were living with us so so we made the best of it it was a great opportunity to really get close with family playing cards and and doing things that you know life is too busy until you can't go anywhere oh yeah <laughs> so, oh yeah <laughs> so there you know it was actually cool we would have uh, our friday night was uh, was theme night and uh, I, I gotta say I wasn't a big proponent of it uh, at first but you get into it and and so uh, you know and there was a bowl and you'd pick a theme and so it would be Mexican Italian whatever and so we not only would we prepare food to match the theme but we would also have to dress up for it so just do what you can <laughs> but yeah it was uh, there's some good memories of it I gotta say I, I've um uh, because of the COVID, I started uh, doing a lot more bonfires because it was something to do outside. And, and I think uh, most of the winter, every Friday night after the, th- the, the dinner, I would do a bonfire. And, uh, and even at 20, 30 below, we would be doing bonfires. And, and I still do now. I just, I enjoy it. I call it my outdoor TV. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's very peaceful, relaxing. Yes, I completely understand that the meditation of the flames and embers is... Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. For me, it's, uh, I call it, like I said, the outdoor TV, only one channel, but you never need to change it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and, I, and you know, I got to say, I, I, religiously, at least once a week, I have a fire. 
and I sit in it often by myself. And I guess that's answering one of your questions. That's one of the things that I love to do. It it's, gives me time to think and reflect and, and think about the week. And, and often I'm not alone either. So it's a nice time to chat. And it's, you know, it's kind of a uninterrupted, you know, because there's no electronic devices or anything. So, yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I just need to be, build a bigger fireplace now. <laughs> It is something I've seriously been contemplating setting up and doing. It's ah, beautiful. Well, and, so you can get yeah. the, the cheap ones, mm -hmm. you know, so I, ju I just, I had the, the, I had this metal one that I used over the winter and it rusted terribly this year. It was kind of falling apart. So I just bought one. It looked like an old hibachi barbecue, but it's higher up and it's very easily to move easy to move but i'd like to get a permanent one you know where they do with stones or the nice cover mm. and put pallets in there like big fires but oh yeah probably not <laughs> pallets those those burn <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly well we wouldn't do that in town that wouldn't that would be frowned upon but we have friends that live out of town in the mm. rural area and you can do that there so here we have to cover our fires we have to follow bylaw rules i never realized how hot fires can get like i know it sounds ridiculous because i'm so used to like small fires that you just create with the, the logs that you have that are like you know the length of your arm or something like that but i went to an event where they were throwing like huge pallets that were like very dry and broken up and and they would burn so bright and so hot eventually people will have to step up. away yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to see that in action you just go to the carnaval uh, mm. the winter carnaval here so the firemen kind of uh, take that that charge and they they burn pallets mm. and you can see especially if it's a cold winter night um and everyone gathers around and as soon as one or two pallets go in you can see the crowd go whoop, and then they die down whoop, yeah. And it's really cool to watch. They got big fires there. <laughs> yeah. Duly noted. <laughs> yeah, a really nice spot. It's a really nice spot in the middle of winter. It's that's what, you know, you have to do these kind of activities in the winter uh, or else, you know, winter's way, way too long otherwise. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking now of doing like a fire watching group, just like this entire point. <laughs> just get together and watch a fire. That's awesome. Well, they have them on TVs, but they're nowhere the same. Oh, you know, no. They have the fire ch fire channel, and, uh, not the same. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, a few years back, we got uh, we got a gas fireplace in the house. And I was like, oh, I'll have a, like, I've always loved my fire. And and so finally I have that, but it's nothing the same. It's not the same. And and we bought, uh, there was a, there was a um, fire ban. So we had a fire ban every year. We have a fire ban for a few weeks because things dry up and, and I'm like, I need my fire every, once a week. And so we bought a fire table. Also not the same thing. It's just really, and you, you know, you have the flame and everything, but it's just not the same thing. I need, I need my fire and I need to put wood in it and I need to know that it's burning. <laughs> It has a life to it. Yes, like it, absolutely, and and how it moves, and uh, and the, and it's amazing. It's it's like it just changes things, right? So without sounding too uh, <laughs> too deep into it, uh, it's to me it's relaxing. It's a it's it's as good as meditating, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, I love it. And then you're sitting in your backyard by yourself in the fire, and all of a sudden you hear something walk by, and you're like. Is that a skunk? Shit. <laughs> <laughs>
So yeah, yeah, no, definitely love that. That's that to me is a highlight of living in this environment. You know, in a lot of cities, you can't do that anymore. Your neighbors are too close and stuff like that. And so I love that. That to me is an important part of my regular routine. So beautiful. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. There you go. Well, is there is there anything you want to share with people, how you want them to get a hold of you, anything you want them to keep in mind? Sure. Well, thank you very much for, for giving me the opportunity to, to talk nonstop for the last two and a half hours. <laughs> I keep drinking water because my mouth's drying up. <laughs> but it's it's uh, actually been a really enjoyable opportunity. <clears throat> it's... Um, you know, we always say that people love talking about themselves and I always, I always try not to talk too much. You kind of put me in a position where I kind of had to talk much. So that was a bit of a challenge, but, but you, you're, you're really good at making people comfortable in doing that. So congratulations to you. In terms of, uh, of uh, people connecting with me, I'm, I'm 100% available. My uh, cell and my email are available on the Township website. Um, anything I can do to support residents, uh, I'm always open to hearing. Uh, I'm a big believer in, in, um, in residents' rights. You know, you buy a home, it's your home. And so that's, that's something that's important for me. Also, I'm a big believer in the community piece as well. So, so it's a nice balance of that. So anything I can do to support that. And as I mentioned to you, anything that's a grassroots movement where you have a group of community residents that want to do something and there is a, and there is a big push of people volunteering and putting their time, um, um, I'm, I'm behind those 110%. So happy to support those kind of, uh, ventures anytime. Perfect. Thank you very much. And if you or anybody else wants to hear more of this, or they will hear it on the CGRO radio 107.7 for people living in Embrun and Russell and, and VARS, I think is 107.9. And there's also Carlsbad Spring, Carlsbad Springs, which is 107.7 to keep that in mind. And this will also be put up online and shared and anybody can search local pod on their podcast catcher or whatever their service they're using. So this. Fantastic, and I'll, I'll send the link to you and everything like that. So. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Really, Thank you. Really appreciate your time and and your commitment in doing this. This is great. This this has been an amazing gift. Like the, your your time and your attention, and your stories and your knowledge is is amazing and very informative and entertaining. And I'm very grateful. I really love learning about people's experiences, their perspectives, and also about my community. You know, I've I've recently moved back, so I'm trying to get a better understanding as to what's going on yeah, yeah. and well, who's involved. We're definitely ha happy to have you back in the community and, uh, and with people like you is what makes our community great. You know, people that are involved, people that uh, are giving back. So thanks for doing that. And uh, I look forward to working with you in collaboration and other projects down the road. So count on us for any support that we can give you. Perfect. Thank you very much. All right. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>